Welcome to Know Your Gear QA Live number 214. I need an echo machine. Echo 14, 14. I don't know. That'd be lame, but I still like it. On Wednesday's show, I brought up the subject about Mesa Boogie retailers and how uh, they're, they're starting to disappear, <laughs> right? And uh, I, tried, I bought a Mesa Boogie amp and uh, I was going to my normal... Uh, you know, my normal purchasing places and they no longer carry me as a boogie. So uh, thanks to you, so many of you reached out and uh, with, you know, some information, some of you guys said you talked to some stores and I got your information, I got your emails and I talked to some stores and what's great is all of the stories are lining up. So here is the most current, I don't want to say rumor, but piece of information that is as verified as we can have it. It's verified by the people, you know, uh, us, our community, is that uh, Mesa Boogie, uh, for whatever reason, has decided that the retailers, to continue to be a Mesa Boogie dealer, they have to, uh, well, I've heard triple, I've heard just $250,000, whatever it is, the buy-in to, to continue to be a Mesa Boogie dealer has increased. And that's why a lot of dealers have backed off because, hey, it's, it's a lot more money to invest, but also there's a lot of concerns about how viable amps are. You know what I mean? If you're a retailer, you know, how many amps do you want in your store? Uh, I don't disagree with that logic. If I if I was still doing retail, I would probably put more inventory into guitars. Things are easier to ship and more unique in a world of the internet. Unique things definitely can command more money than something as easy as everyone's got the same product in a box. I would not want to be an online retailer with the most common thing. I would want something as unique as I can. So, uh, so that's the go. I just wanted to share that. So if you've noticed, uh, that's what's going on with the Mesa Boogie dealers is, uh, they were told that they have to, they have to pony up some cash to continue to be one. I don't know if that's a, uh, <laughs> Beast Rich 581 says, so, so Gibson screws a little guy. Uh, what a surprise. And again, again, I don't, uh, I'd like to say, like, I don't have an opinion or I don't have an iron in this fire. I do. I, it's not that I agree or disagree because um, that's a valid point. It's, you know, I, I don't know what I think of this. I think it was inevitable. So it's not about whether I agree with it or not. I don't. I don't agree with that logic. Um, you know, I love, I would love to live in a world where loyalty would mean something. Um I can't even say loyalty means something again because it's been gone for a long time. I wish loyalty meant something. I wish selling a manufacturer's product for two decades and uh, and paying those uh, manufacturer's employees meant something, uh, but it just doesn't. So there you go. It's, uh, yeah. So like uh, BC Witch 581 said, the little guy gets screwed again. I don't even think it's a little guy. I think it's just, you know, you have to do what's best for you. Uh, my only suggestion, which, you know, it's worth what it's worth. If I was a retailer right now, poised with having to triple up my buy-in for an expensive amp line company, I would say what I would always say. There's a lot of things to sell people. There's a lot of products, right? And uh, there you go. So hopefully, oh, I don't know. There you go. That's what I got to say. Like I said. All right. Uh, a couple questions about the bad cat amp behind me. It's right there. Look at that. One shot. Look, whoosh, like, like I'm mastering the Vanna White. I don't know what it is. Same camera, same rig, same situation, but yet at this angle towards the amps, I can figure out left. Oh, maybe I can't. Yeah, left from right. 
Like, I get it. But when I come at the a- other angle, even though everything's the same, I can't figure out what I'm pointing out. So, uh, Bad Cat, yes. I have two Bad Cat amps here. Uh, and uh, I have the hand-wired and the PC board version. And I am uh, working through them right now so I can work on the video. I'm going to be doing a video of both the Bad Cat. This is the Bad Cat Club uh, 40R. And I have, like I said, um, this is the... This is the... Uh, I'm looking at, I think this is the, this is the hand-wired one. <laughs> I had to look twice. Uh, so this is the hand-wired one, but I have the, uh, so this is about two grand. And then I also have their $1,300 one. Both are made in the USA, both made in California. So one's hand-wired, one's not. And uh, I will uh, be doing a vo- video and in a unique YouTube experience. <laughs> that many people don't get privileged to on YouTube anymore. I will be telling you in the video, not only which one do I like the most, which one I'm going to keep. So uh, there you go. Or so, so there you go. You know, a lot of times, you know, you end a video with, let me know what you think in the, <laughs> this, in the captions down below and the, and the comments down below. And everybody's like, oh, but which one did you like? And you don't tell. I try to tell when I can, but a lot of times it's hard if I don't have, like I said, if something's going back to a company, if I'm not keeping it. But in this case, I'm going to be keeping one of these amps and I'm going to let you know which one and why. So hopefully that will help you guys uh, when you're making a decision. Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'd like to tell you, tell you this. This is a cool story. I decided I was going to buy a Bad Cat amp, and I went on to uh, Guitar Center. They're the main dealer for Bad Cat online, and I went on their website, and I was looking at the hand-wired, and I was looking at what I thought was an import amp. I thought $12.99 was the import version. 2000 was the main USA version. That's what I thought I was looking at, and... If I can, if I can, if I can uh, do it, I always try to buy the USA version or, in, in, you know, uh, just the truth. That's why most, I don't think there's, yeah, most of the amps behind me that are made in the UK or made in the US. Uh, if I can, you know, I try to support my country. Like I said, I try to support my country when I can. I try to support my state when I can. And I try to support my city where I can, right? So anyways, I was trying to figure out which one. And so at the last minute I go, what am I doing? I know John, the owner of Bad Cat. He's on my phone. I can text him. So I texted John. I said, which one's better, John? Just tell me. I'll buy it right now. The hand-wired or the PC board one, or which I thought was the import. And he said, well, they're n- none of them imports. They're both made in the USA. We make everything here in California. So made in the USA. And I said, oh, you mean so 1300 bucks is made in the USA? And he's like, yeah. And I go, okay, so why do I want to pay $700 more for the hand-wired one? And his answer was the coolest answer I've ever gotten from anyone. He says, I don't know, Phil, why don't I send you both and you check them out and you tell me. What? Best answer ever, John. Thank you again, John. That <laughs> bad cat. Uh, so because there's so few videos, in fact, I think probably the most, the best detailed video I saw on Bad Cat was the Anderton's one where they went through the lineup. I want to be as uh, detailed as I can because like I said, if you're looking at these amps, I think, hey man, do you need to spend the 700 bucks or not? We'll figure it out together. Okay, uh, what else? <laughs> we got finally subjects to talk about. Um, okay, uh, Andra said, uh, he says, hey, you gave me the confidence to call in and ask for a deal, and I got $200 off a of combo amp, uh, new amp day soon. You know what's great, Andres? That's an interesting way you phrase that. 
no one's ever phrased it that way before. It's usually a thank you, and I appreciate the thank you, but the thank you is usually in the piece of information I've given you. Like, you know, hey, if you touch tubes, they're hot. And everybody's like, thanks for telling me that, Phil. Now I don't burn my finger. I don't have a, a reference, but you get the idea. You're the first one to say confidence. First, I applaud that. Very, I love honest uh, language. I love it when somebody's telling me, you know what I mean, not only the honest truth, but also, you know, it's hard to take down your guards. Confidence, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I sometimes I forget that it, uh, it's not that it takes confidence to do that, but yeah, it's a little weird asking for something. You know what I mean? Like I said, it's not something that happens in any other places besides the music industry much. Now I say besides, it's not entirely true. My wife bought a new stove and uh, I said, do you want to get a new microwave too? And she's like, yes, when we're there. We asked her like, hey, if we buy both and, and have them delivered and everything, will you give us a deal? And they gave us a deal. <laughs> so, um, and because uh, I, like I said, all you can do is ask, hey, if I, if I give you more money, will you let me keep some of my money? And they did. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm not only am I glad you got the deal, but also I'm glad that you phrased that. Like I said, not only do you need the information, but sometimes, yeah, you need the spark of not so much confidence, but yeah, the spark to say it's, it's okay to do it. So I'm glad. And like I say all the time, guys, uh, especially this weekend, it's Memorial Day weekend here in the United States. And I know other countries have Memorial Days. I just don't know if it's this weekend. Memorial Day, I do this every year on the podcast. I remind everybody that Memorial Day is just to remember the soldiers and the families of the soldiers that have lost their lives in some of the horrible wars we've had in our histories as all countries and not so much to honor veterans. Veterans Day would be a day that, you know, hey, if anyone says hey, happy Veterans Day to me, I appreciate that. And But Memorial Day is not for veterans per se. It's for the, the people we've lost and to honor the people who have lost people who have uh so uh, i know it's weird to me it's a weird thing man that's something i can't reconcile is the memorial day sale i know we have a memorial day barbecues around our country i'm okay with that i'm essentially irish you know scottish so i get the whole concept of drinking a little bit and having a little fun in a sad situation however so i get that but i've always the sale thing's always been weird and i always and it's never really been a problem for me until i had this show and then every year on the, it seems to land this weekend, obviously, always, always Friday, it lands before a weekend. It's kind of weird how that worked out. And every year when I talk about Memorial Day, it's weird for me to go, hey, have you checked out the Memorial Day sales? Because it's a weird thing to me. But that being said, there's Memorial Day sales. I want to tell you, they put, I put a link. You're going to hear this all weekend from every YouTube channel. I have a link to the Memorial Day stuff. Click it and give me money because money doesn't suck. That's my speech. But realistically, I looked at the more, more Memorial Day sales out there, unless you guys have some better, better suggestions, which I appreciate. I found only one thing that I thought was a good deal uh, out there, and it's the Friedman. I put the link, Friedman Small Box Pedal, which I have the Small Box 50 head, which is freaking awesome. And if you get the pedal, you get that without the sadness of not making a car payment this month. And uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, it was $199. It's down sale on Sweetwater for $169. Now, I've seen it on sale on some reverb places too. So again, you don't have to go to Sweetwater, but I'm just letting you know it's on sale. That's legit. I'm buying one this weekend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just laughed because I just realized I did that wrong. 
<laughs> I was supposed to buy it and then tell you. Hopefully, you guys won't buy them all up. I'll get one. I'm going to buy one at the end of the show. I'll let you know next week if you guys bought them all up from Sweetwater before the end of the show. But I'm letting you know to do that. Um, if you click that link, it's an affiliate link. You don't want to pay affiliate link. I appreciate it. Uh, I not appreciate it. I understand it. Uh, then just go to Sweetwater and check it out or go see if you, know, you can get a price match somewhere else. All of that being said, other than that deal... And maybe some of the deals you find, please don't just buy the online deals. It's a racket. <laughs> There's no deals online that's posted that you can't just get any day of the week for the most part. Even that pedal, if it's on 7169, I'm sure you can find it somewhere else for 169 somewhere else. Like I said, like a- Andra said, call, talk to people, right? Talking to people always as uh, a deal. In fact, I've learned, uh, you know, not only that, does that work to get deals, but um, sometimes you make friends even cooler. So, all right. That's a lot of talk on the Memorial Day stuff. Okay, so um, I'm sure you guys want to talk about more gear stuff. Hold on. Uh, You guys are talking about inventory and stock. Look, okay, so this is a good subject to talk about too. So, yes, a lot of you are saying the guitar centers are looking stocked up. They are. They are definitely getting stocked up. We're seeing the inventory catch up uh, as we see. And this is exactly what we kind of talked about on this show and and uh, uh, over the last few months. And the prediction would be my prediction has been, been loosely uh, kind of uh, based on how many people go outside from after COVID. And it looks like right now it's happening, especially in the United States and most of the United States, people are going outside. Summer's happening. People are going outside, and what's going to happen is I, I I'm seeing it now. I'm not seeing uh, uh like a, I'm not saying it's a crash. I never said that. I'm never saying it now because I don't think it is going to be. Um, what I think you're going to see is I think we're going to see a, re- a receding effect of purchases because hey man, it's time to take the kids outside. <laughs> Take the family outside, get outside and do some stuff, go some someplace, maybe see your relatives you haven't seen. I'm not, uh, you know, that's, I think that's what's going to be happening. And so basically what's going to be happening is we're going to see the sales decline, which is what I'm seeing, uh, not by a massive amount by, by any means, but definitely a withdrawal of sales. You can see it. And then on top of that, uh, they're catching up. So we're going to see stuff fill in. The one thing I will tell you, the things I've been paying attention to, the things I pay attention to just because of the channel and because I want to be like on the pulse of what's going on, uh, what I'm seeing real quickly happen is the cheap guitars are coming in and they're coming in fast and they're not leaving. So uh, everywhere I go, everywhere I look, whether I'm online or in stores, I'm seeing lots of, lots of inexpensive guitars. I Sorry I said cheap earlier. I know sometimes that offends people. Inexpensive guitars. Uh, and that means exactly what we, we know it means. Uh, affordable entry-level guitars, affordable student-grade guitars, affordable uh, hobbyist-style guitars, uh, but definitely more of them than, than, uh, than, than there was before, for sure. So yeah, we're definitely seeing that stuff. So, so yeah, you're going to see uh, that come in. Whether or not that affects the used guitar prices, I don't think so. I think used guitar prices are, I, th- I think it's slowing down for sure, but I think a lot of used guitar prices are holding because there's an, there's more to just available inventory for prices of instruments to come down. You have to have people not willing to let them go. You know what I mean? So if there was, let's say there was 5,000 guitars uh, for sale used and that's not enough and it, du- it doubles even to 10,000, 
you could say, okay, well, the prices have to come down because there's more inventory. But if everyone's writing the, I got a stimulus check and the company I work for gave bonuses because record year last year wave, they're not going to be so inclined to want to take a bath on this stuff they're selling. And that's what I'm noticing too. A lot of people are just like, here's the price. And then you're like, well, it's not selling. Uh, and uh, it, it's, uh, you know, you're, you're basically saying that uh, you want a deal and they're, they, don't, they don't need to sell it to you. So there you go. Okay. What? What's the first question we're going to hit? Let's see. I don't think I've done one yet. Oh, Nick, great question, man. <laughs> great in the idea that's never been asked before. Uh, at this point, you know, 200 and something episodes, 40 questions per episode or more. It's tough to ask me something that hasn't been asked. He's uh, question was, hey, Phil, do you adjust the pole pieces on your humbuckers or just leave them alone? Uh, a flat, I should say. Do you leave them flat? Um, I don't adjust any pole pieces on any pickups. And I know, you know, humbuckers, but some, some single coils have adjustable pole pieces as well. Uh, and P90s, you know, right? I don't adjust any pole pieces unless I hear a problem that I'm like, okay, maybe I need to adjust uh, to, to, to do that. Um, I find that adjusting the pole pieces only affects tone minorly. You know what I mean? Just a little bit. It's sometimes it's more noticeable in different pickups than others. It's not something I do actively. Um, so there you go. Uh, it's, it's like I said, when I'm playing something, I try to listen for the problems more so than see the problem. So sometimes like I've had this problem. So in your vein, your question is I bought a guitar, maybe new or used. And the pole pieces were all like, not like a, not like a single coil where they're staggered, but I mean like literally like somebody's just adjusted, like all of them zigzaggy weird or really high. Like I had that once happen where I got a guitar or you could tell the person who had it before me didn't know that the pickups raised and lowered. So the pickup was sunk down too low and they raised all the screw pieces as high as they could to get the pickup closer. Or maybe they just thought that was cool. I don't know. And then, uh, and the opposite, I've seen them sink the pickup, uh, the pull pieces down. I've seen all that stuff. And uh, sometimes I just adjust that for aesthetically purposes, you know, like, oh, that looks weird. Let's put them flat. But most of the time, if I don't hear a problem, if I'm not hearing an issue, uh, because a lot of great sounds come from beautiful accidents, you know, right? Happy accidents. Uh, it's, it's true. It's just sometimes there's a good, you know, something you play guitar and it's great. I, in fact, I'm superstitious, uh, if you could say that that's what you would call it. But it's definitely, if I pick up an instrument and it plays or sounds great, I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> uh, it, it's, there's enough of those stories uh, that, you, you, know, if you, you know, if you grew up like I did, reading all the Guitar Worlds every month, um, there are so many stories that will freak you out about musicians basically saying, this is the greatest amp ever, greatest guitar ever. And then I changed the strings and it sounded horrible. That's a big extreme example, but you get the idea, this idea. And I've experienced that, exactly that with both amps and guitars, mostly guitars, where it was great. And then I changed something because I'm like, oh, let's make it a little better. And then it was horrible. And then I put it back and it never felt the same or sounded the same. So yeah, I don't adjust stuff if I don't have to. There you go. All right. Let's do some, uh, let's hit a super chat. I've been letting them hang for a little bit. So the first super chat of the day was from David who said, early drink gonna drink this weekend for sure says early drink on me going to be buying a warwick infinity five 
Nice. Uh, their custom shops say I can have any wood specifications. I don't know where to start. Dude, and so you know, <laughs> I have never in my life seen anything anywhere on this planet close to the beautiful wood inventory that is at Warwick. There is nothing like that. So when they say you can have any wood, they mean any. It's insane. <laughs> if there's a wood that <laughs> is the most endangered wood ever, it's there. If it's exotic, it's there. If it's unique, obviously all those things kind of mean unique, right? It's there. Um <laughs> Right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we went there and they're like, hey, we have a piece of wood that was, you know, blessed by three monks and found in the middle of <laughs> the, you know, the Himalayas or whatever. Uh, done. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, it's a problem. Uh, when I had my Warwick built, uh, my problem was not that problem. So, you know, I had the luxury, the 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 amazing luxury of going down to the to the first floor of the factory, sitting down with Marcus and pulling up his, he pulls up his computer and he's like, okay, let's build this base. And we built my custom Warwick. My Warwick was cut as custom as custom can get. And um, I literally did nothing that I was supposed to do. Like I said, we, we, I think he set aside like an hour to design the base. And I think we did it in five minutes. I was like, okay, blue and the lightest wood you got and 32 inch scale done. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and that was it. So, uh, yeah. So spend some time, have some fun. They have um, beautiful pieces of wood for sure. Diddy Ob. <laughs> Love that. Diddy Ob. Ob. Diddy Ob says, Hey, Phil, I just bought a Fender 75th anniversary commemorative Strat. Love everything about it. Exclamation point. So that means he really loves everything about it. He says, any tips to keep the gold plating from wearing out? Best regards. Y yes. <laughs> Wear a sock over your hand. <laughs> no, that won't even work. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. And the only thing worse is newer guitars are even worse than old guitars, and old guitars were horrible. Uh, gold plating. If you're lucky, they gold plate on brass. or You know what I mean? They have brass underneath and sometimes, but that's usually not the case. Um, nope, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing. Don't play it. <laughs> I don't recommend that. Uh, no, man, there's nothing. I've never seen any gold hardware make it. That's why so many people, so many players don't like gold because they just don't like gold. They hate Mr. T. I don't know what their deal is, but they don't like gold on their guitars. But a lot of players don't like gold just specific, specifically because they know it wears off so easy. So yeah, there's, I mean, everything I could tell you that would help you uh, kind of make it last would be the worst advice ever because it's going to mean not playing it as much. Enjoy the guitar. If it bugs you that much, if it freaks you out that much, keep in mind the gold that's going to wear off the most is that bridge more so than tuning keys or anything else. I mean, definitely the bridge. Uh, buy another bridge. Stick the, and, and if it's important to you, because I've, I, look, if it's important to you, the guitar stays original and and so in 20 years, you have this original guitar and you want to, you want to play it and you want to enjoy it, but you also want to be perfect. Well, here's what you do. You buy another bridge. You put the after the other bridge in there, take the original out, put that in the case. And if you ever sell it, you put the original back. You could do that. There's nothing wrong with that. That way it's all original when you sell it. And it's new looking. Or you can do what I've done, which was a very hard thing to do. Convince yourself you like worn out gold hardware. Uh, so that's what I just did. I just finally just one day said, 
Oh my God, Gunky Zip said Mr. T doesn't wear gold anymore? What? What? I'm sure with inflation, the gold around that guy's neck, it's probably a house. <laughs> a nice house, I would imagine. That's why. He'd be like, you can't walk around <laughs> with that much gold anymore. Somebody will kill you. Even if you look like Mr. T, they'll come at you. Uh, Vimps69, exclamation point. I like that your sign-on has an exclamation point in it. Says, Phil just received a guitar I bought on Reverb, and it reeks of smoke. What can I do? I like the guitar, but it's stinking up the place. You know, this is a question I get from time to time about cleaning out smells and doing stuff, and I'm just, I don't know. What I always suggest is, I'm going to suggest two things, besides anybody that might have a good suggestion in the comments. First, check out some cool cleaning YouTube channels. Right? Because that's what I would do. I would just go to a clean... Don't don't think of guitars. It doesn't matter if it's a guitar. Somebody asked me about guitar cases. Guitars don't matter. Um, you know, you can... Uh, uh, yeah, just go and find out what they got to say. But there is a couple things you can do. You can... Uh, you can put... Um, uh, things I've seen people do that have had mild success, but success besides, besides, you know, like people try to Febreze stuff and stuff like that. But one thing you can do for smoke, uh, that might help a little is you can, uh, put it in a, in a case or a box and put some baking soda in it. Uh, you know, not on the guitar, but physically the thing of baking soda, but keep in mind, this advice is just as I'm just poking in the dark of what I've seen people do. Um, Clean it, of course, and also let it air out. You know what I mean? That helps too. It depends on how bad it's impregnated into the to the finish and into the... So it's tough. The good news I can tell you is, is it does dissipate over time and it will get better. But to get it to absolutely not stinky is tough. It's such a big deal. It's why almost every other listing has kept in smoke-free home. So, and the other question I get all the time is about pet odor, like urine and stuff. And same thing, I would go and check out cleaning supply uh, channels and information too. I just don't know. It's not something you deal with too much. In a store, like when stuff would come in on trade, we would just clean it up the best we could. And and basically we had it, you know, it was easy because we weren't going to sell it online. You know, somebody come in the store and they'd be like, woo, that thing smells like smoke. And you're like, yep. And then find, some guy would walk in one day and go, I don't know what the problem is. I love it. And then he bought it. Or maybe that was a girl. I don't know. <laughs> Helen? Yes. <laughs> the guitar is yours. <laughs> Anyways, uh, uh, so yeah, so uh, uh, cleaning it, there's a couple things uh, other than using standard cleaning supplies. Uh, Aaron Peacock says, hey, Aaron, what's up? He says, hey, Phil, thanks for the content. Beer's on me. Woo! It's <laughs> uh, I think I mentioned this. It's... um. Uh, it's a, it's a carb free seltzers. It's very, dis very disappointing. They, um, uh, the irony, you can't drink beer cause you're fat, but fat beer makes you fat. It's a really vicious circle. So now it's carb free seltzers for a little while. Got to behave again. All right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's my sadness coming out as a laughter. Anyways, Greg says, what a week, two shows and a holiday weekend. See, uh, it's great. I enjoyed doing the, the, the extra show this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Plus it was new guitar week. I had the Kiesel. That was really cool. Thank you guys for everybody who made a comment on that video. Uh, like I said, uh, that was a video. I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> This is the craziest guitar I ever, I ever did. And, uh, I'm really, really happy. It really, um, 
it really fixed a lot of things for me. <laughs> I've been chasing this, this phantom 80s shred machine guitar for so many years that I, uh, even on the channel, you guys have seen it, I bought so many guitars that were just nothing I loved other than the aesthetic, you know what I mean? And I kept doing stuff like that, and then I finally said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to order a custom guitar that shuts that down, and I really feel that way. It's like, and this time I mean it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, where is... Uh, and we have next, we have Lidve. Lidve, thank you, man. FT600 and a Rockfist decal. Is that the Rockfist? Yeah, yeah. That's I love you. That's the Rockfist. Some of you guys uh, love the Rockfist. Some of you guys hate it. Um, so, so. <laughs> All right. What else? We gotta. Uh, I want to grab some non super chats. Nathan's in the house with a wrench. Nathan, I thought you were on your way to Arizona. Are you? You're not driving on it, right? You're not like. <laughs> right now, I'm picturing Nathan about 75 miles an hour in the middle of the desert on his phone. I hope that's not the case, Nathan. If it is, please pull over. And if you're pulled over, please turn this off and drive. Uh, either way, be safe. Um. Uh, yeah, Amanda's, uh, we're talking about the stinky sound. She's saying check ingredients to make sure it doesn't affect the finish. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's tough. It's tough to give advice. I like things, if I'm going to try to take the stink out of something, I like stuff that doesn't come in contact with the thing you're trying to take the smell out of. That's why I said, like, you could put baking soda. Like, for instance, I I guess if you, if I had your problem not knowing anything, because I, you know, the first thing I would do, like if it came out of the box and I'd be like, oh man, when we do this, first thing I might do is take it into, uh, well, I have a shop, which is nice. So I can take it down to the shop. Um, and I'd put it in a guitar stand and I'd probably put a big fan on it and I'd put, or put some baking soda next to it and see if that helped absorb some of the odor and, and of course, you know, kind of air out the instrument to see if that helps. Again, I don't think that helps. <laughs> but at least, there you go. Uh, what else? Wait, I was looking for another comment. Again, like I said, if you're talking to me, put a question mark first. That way I know you're talking to me. Um, okay, so Ruben's question, it says, Hey, Phil, it says, I know you're a massive music fan and obviously a huge guitar nerd, but if you could buy a guitar off one of your music heroes, who would it be and why? Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, it's more focused towards me, but I understand the question. Um, so whose guitar would I want? That's really what it comes down to. What famous guitar player's guitar would I want? Uh, especially like in the sense, not only to play it, but maybe just to have it, you know, memorabilia kind of thing. Um, it's funny. I, I The answer is weird. And here's why it's weird. My favorite guitar players are definitely like Monty Montgomery, uh, Bob Schneider, uh, you know what I mean? I love them. Uh, my favorite, some of my favorite bands are Bowling for Soup, and I love Alter Bridge. I mean, I listen to Alter Bridge and, and Bowling for Soup at least once a day, every day. Somehow I get one, two tracks out a day. Somehow listening to it. Um, I love, like I said, uh, uh, punk music. Um, 
That all being said, I know what guitar I would pick. I'd probably pick one of Steve I's guitars because, again, it's kind of a strange thing. I don't play that style of music so much because I don't even know how to. I don't know how to play that uh, virtuoso type music. It's it's one of those things, kind of like that Kiesel guitar. What that was about. There's 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 the guitar I like to look at and how it makes me feel looking at it, and then there's the guitar I would like to play, <laughs> right? Uh, so. I would probably, instead of picking the smart choice, which is one of the instruments from someone who really inspires me to play music and then try to emulate, you know, and play their music or play my music, but with their instrument, I would probably pick someone's guitar I just thought was look really, really cool. And it would be like, probably like a Steve I guitar or maybe one of George Lynch's guitars, but probably not. It would probably be Steve I. It would probably be something like that. Um, and the reason I say that, the answer is, is because I have a Steve I gem, floral gem, which is... Uh, you know, it's a pricey guitar to own, uh, especially because it keeps going up in value. So, I mean, and I don't play it. <laughs> it's like literally like I pull it out and I strum it a few times and I put it on the wall and stare at it. And I say, yep, I still love it. And then I put it away. So I would say having a real one from Steve, I would be even like cooler in that concept. But, um, but like I said, I can't say that's the music I would play. Um, the irony, too, of that, here's the irony. The irony of this is the musicians that I like, I think that's, I think, see, now, are we having this, we're having, I feel like we're having a session now. Like, I should lay down and tell you all my problems and fears. Um, the irony of the music that I really, really connect with is, uh, obviously, I mentioned Bowling for Soup. The singer and the guitar player Bowling for Soup played, like, the same guitar forever. They don't play different guitars. Uh, Monty Montgomery plays one beat-up acoustic. Bob Schneider... I think I've seen him with a couple different guitars. So the irony is the music that I, I I like, well, I like all music, but I mean, the music I follow the most and listen to the most, those guitar players are not even gear people. <laughs> it's weird. And it's probably because I appreciate that about them. Trust me. And I love talking about gear and I love all this, but then I think you wouldn't be sane person if every day, well, not every day, but at least once a week you woke up and said, wouldn't it be cool if I just had one amp and one guitar and I never thought about any of this stuff? That'd be great, too. Like, I like that idea, too. Like I said, and I'm sure, uh, well, I know for a fact, I've talked to friends that have one guitar, one amp, and they love it, but then they go, I wish I knew more about gear and I'd buy more of it. I just don't have time or the desire to learn and see what I should be trying. Okay. Um... John says, what a with a soup or what? It's bowling for soup. If you're if you're old, they have a new song about getting old. It's great. <laughs> it's called Getting Old Sucks. <laughs> when when you watch the punk rock band that you liked, uh, I can't say, well, I guess I could say as a kid, as a kid, uh, make a song about getting old. It, 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 it's a humbling experience. <laughs> Especially when I enjoyed it so much. I like the lyrics. Um, all right. Um, we need to get back on track. On the gear and guitars and amps and pedals and things. Um, uh, the I saw, a, I saw a question, but it jumped. Hold on a second. I'm going to look for it for a second because I didn't. Okay, I lost it. That's what happens. 
I'm sorry I am taking so long, but I am looking. Huh. I don't understand the question. It comes from Smiling420. It says, where did you get the Sheldon in the background? Oh, it says... 212 on the bottom and head on top. Perfect. I think he means shelving. See, we're all typing with phones and computers. It's all crazy. We have to decipher. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a Mad Libs game. <laughs> Sheldons. Those are Sheldons. Shelves. These are Ikea shelves because like of most everybody, uh, I take my money like an idiot down to Ikea and, uh, because, you know, no good decisions happen at the Ikea. That's my official statement, but it doesn't stop me from going there. Anyways, this is shelving you can buy in the garage section, if there's such a thing, but that's where you would find it online, uh, at the Ikea. And uh, I was building out, this is my closet. I'm standing in front of a closet. <laughs> and because uh, that's why it's recessed it's uh, in in a closet and uh, I was going to build out the closet and put amps in there and I thought that one that's cool and I was on my way to the Home Depot and as I was on the way to Home Depot I told my wife I said you know the sad thing is I could probably go to Ikea and buy the shelves cheaper and I buy the materials and my whole afternoon and so we went to the Ikea and we walk through, which takes six to seven hours to get through because it's a maze. And if you don't complete the maze correctly, they don't let you out of the store and they won't sell you one of those danishes. So I luckily successfully navigated the maze of the Ikea and got the Danish, which is good because that means you win. And anyways, <laughs> the shelving was there. And literally, I'm not exaggerating, was probably about $30 less than just the raw materials at Home Depot. And it was adjustable. And I can adjust it and change it and do whatever I want. And there it is. And I didn't have to paint it because I was going to have to paint the shelving black. And it was already black. So <laughs> Al John says, nothing wrong with Ikea. Well, you know, it's like... Uh, there's evils we have to live with. Amazon, Ikea. I say have to. I don't know. But we, I, I, you know, we, tell, we tell everybody they're evil and then we go there. So I, just, I think I'm trying to say I'm a hypocrite. Ikea is evil and I give them my money. Yes. Funny enough, Wild Wolf, here's a really funny story. So uh, he says, Ikea stuff is terrible. He's not wrong. And he says, you pay for what you get. China stuff, all from Ikea. This is crazy. I keep going to Ikea and when I, not keep, but every time I've gone to Ikea, I, it's just the weirdest luck, but it's true. I go and I'm, I'm like going to buy it. I get the box and I go, yeah, same thing. Like more cheap China stuff. Right. And I pull it out and it's never made in China. Not, it's always made in India or Vietnam. Everything's always <laughs> like, I always go, I buy more Chinese stuff and literally it's always made somewhere else. So I go, oh, well, and I know, so there you go. Just a little tidbit for you. Um, okay. <laughs> I like the Ikea Benton. That was James Johnson. Ikea Benton. David Lee says, Phil needs an Ikea affiliate code now. Yes. <laughs> I guess that would be great. Um, okay. So...
Robert M., I want to answer this question. He says, hey, what's your thoughts on many of the smaller custom cab builders, Emperor, Atlas, etc.? Should you splurge splurge on another custom uh, one or get one of the big names, Mesa Orange? Uh, here's what I will tell you. The reason I want to answer the question is I really don't have any you know, real suggestion whether or not you should do that or not. Um, obviously, my, my cab right here is a Mojo Tone. I have that. I also have a Marshall behind me, Marshall cab. Uh, so... Uh, what I would suggest to you, though, is that um, you should buy a cabinet. <laughs> I, I, that's, what, I, that's what I wanted to answer the question. I wanted to answer this question to tell you, regardless of what you think, I think we're about to get shell-shocked with cabinet prices if this doesn't get fixed with the wood and metal issue, in uh, at least in the United States. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a problem. So, uh, it, and like I said, uh, most manufacturers I've talked to are said they're waiting to see if the prices come down at the end of the year. But like I said, doesn't matter. Uh, I think what I'm internalizingly, what I've really kind of internalized here is prices aren't coming down. So if you're going to get a cabinet, especially speaker cabinets and stuff, I would get them now. They're not getting any cheaper. They're only going to get it more expensive. Not that they would normally get cheaper anyways, but I think it's going to be harder to find those deals is what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> Landon. Landon says, my amps sit on Ikea bathroom benches. Stole that idea from you a couple years ago. I have them still, those bathroom benches. They're in the other room now. Um, the uh, Like I said, the room I'm in is very small, and that's why those worked great. And then one day I was looking at this closet where I was storing all this cases and stuff, and I thought, well, why don't I just put the amps in there? And it literally made this room that's really tiny less tiny. So it worked out. By the way, Landon, I don't know if you got my response. I, I responded to your email uh, about your uh, your uh, your uh, guitar you did for your for your video. So if you didn't get that response, uh, email me back. And if you did, I hope that I don't know. I don't know if it was useful. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Sean Brooks says, "Hey Phil, Wednesday you mentioned you ordered a Tone King amp and have been waiting for over a year. Uh, yes." Which Tone King amp did you order? Uh, the Imperial. I ordered an Imperial head and cabinet. So I ordered that in January of 2020. I want to say, uh, I don't know the date. I want to say June or January 18th. It might have been January 18th. It doesn't matter. So I ordered it, uh, it, it yes, in January of, of uh, 2020. So it's coming up on a year and a half. Um I, so who knows when I, I last, I heard a couple, this is a couple months ago. Last I heard a couple months ago, it's going to be a couple months. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, but it, uh, so yeah, there you go. So yeah, year and a half. COVID has been fun. Like I said, so there you go. Um, Oh, uh, let's see. Landon, I saw your response. I'm just going to, I don't need to read it, but <laughs> I saw it. Uh, let's see. John says, a year refund. Goodbye. Thanks. I can't get a refund. Here's the problem. Uh, the, sometimes in my world, in my business of the YouTubeness and other businesses, I uh, trade. So I traded. So in that case, in that particular situation, what I did was I traded my services, which I've already performed. Take that for whatever you want in that explanation. Uh, so uh, there's nowhere to refund me for my services. 
So what happened was, if you guys remember, I went and did a ton of videos down at that facility in January of 2020. I interviewed Mike Soldano. I did Steve Ice. I went, I drove down there and 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 filmed a bunch of content uh, to you know before Nam. And then uh, what happened was to film that content. Besides going there and filming all the content and making the videos and putting them out, which you guys saw and enjoyed, and thank you for everybody who supports the channel by watching that stuff. Um, it was two days before the NAMM show. So then what happened was I had to go and buy a hotel room and stay in LA for a day to wait for the NAMM show because right? it was early. Um, so I did all that stuff. And then what we did when I was there was I picked out everything to make a custom uh, Imperial amp uh, and a custom colors and custom stuff. And uh, custom meaning they make all these cool colors. So I picked out the colors I want. I picked everything I want. And then they were going to build it. And then what happened was... Uh, you guys won't believe this. It's crazy. COVID happened. So COVID happened. And then, uh, you know, obviously they were shut down for a while and then they were back. And then when they were back, they had to fill all the back orders. So, uh, yeah, it's look, if it takes two years, it takes two years. I mean, essentially we we're done, but I also, like I said, I've said this before, I'm not a hypocrite. Well, maybe, maybe I am, but I don't want to be a hypocrite. How about that? Does that count for something? So I said this uh, last year in the middle of COVID. I, I said it uh, probably last week. I'll keep saying it. Uh, I know it gets old hearing the COVID excuse. Uh, I'm sick of it. We're all sick of it, but it's a valid excuse. It is. So if it was any other time and I and I had an amp and I've been waiting a year and a half, you would be hearing me light them up going, what the hell and how could you not build an amp? But in today's world of who knows when they get wood and COVID and shutdowns, it just takes forever long it is. I was just telling you so you guys knew because I get that question a lot. Uh, you know, have I ever thought about getting a tonking amp? I, I, I yeah, I did. <laughs> That's what I decided to do in that exchange. I, I said I wanted a tonking amp. Uh, yeah. And then uh, like Grumpy Mike's presented with a bill. I'm not going to do that. Look, like I said, like, like I said, there's no, there's no, uh, what do you call it? Foul, uh, stench in the air of anything. It's just literally, it's, uh, it's COVID man. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll keep giving people passes on COVID on everything I can until it doesn't make sense not to, because, uh, there's 924 of you watching. We're all hanging out and not a single one of you have ever dealt with COVID before like me. So we're all just playing this by, by ear and we're going to keep going. Besides, I have stuff. So, you know, it's hard for you, you know, I mean, it's, I understand it's my money. I, I, you know, I work for it, all this stuff, but you guys understand what I'm saying too. We'll, we'll be as nice as we can. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, Aljohn says supply chain issues and transportation are real issues. Well, think about this. Aljohn's not only, not only is he correct, but it's a double whammy, right? First, you have the shutdown. So then you have a labor issue where there's no labor making anything. Then you have a boom, which is great, except for, you know, now you have to catch up and try to do that to keep your business going. But now the supply chain issue. So, yeah, it's a it's a perfect storm of crap. Let's just say that. Uh, Joe, Judy, Judy H says, what lighting are you using behind the amps in the shelves? Ah, cheap, <laughs> cheap lighting. Uh, I buy those, uh, really crappy, uh, at home Depot aluminum can lights. And then I buy the blue LEDs and screw it in there and I put them behind the amps and, uh, and, uh, for no reason than other than, 
uh, I went on, I had two failed attempts on Amazon. This show is going so weird today. So <laughs> two failed attempts on Amazon to buy lighting. I bought some lighting that was supposed to be cool and I put it behind there and uh, it, you know, it's the Amazon thing, right? It shows up and it's sometimes not what you thought it was. And sometimes it's, so I just said, screw it. And I went down and bought a bunch of blue light bulbs and stuck them in some metal can things that I bought at Home Depot and stuck them in there. And hey, it makes blue lighting. And I did it just to break it up. Not for, for YouTube videos, just when I'm standing here playing the amps. It's not so, so boring. So, uh... <laughs> Adrian says, not Ikea lighting. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, Ikea makes lighting. Isn't that funny? I don't know why I don't buy Ikea lighting. <laughs> it's probably because, I don't know. Uh, I was going to make a joke, but I don't think I should make fun of Ikea. I obviously buy from them and, and, uh, you know, there you go. Um, we need to get back to guitar questions. Pedro says, looking into a DiMaggio rail type stacked humbucker, uh, which are some of your favorites? I'm considering the chopper. That's my favorite, by the way, the chopper. Uh, currently I have a Seymour Duncan hot rail and I'm just not digging it. I played rock and some metal. I like the chopper. I can't tell you it's the best one, just the one I use all the time. The tone zone. I mean, they make all the versions of their normal pickups. They have the tone zone one. They have the, um, what's the one that's the, the, what's the one that like started it all? I want to say true tone. That's not it. Why am I spacing this? I forget. Chopper. I'm just going to say the chopper. I know that's a horrible answer, but that's the one I like. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, if I had a guitar, all my guitars that have the mini uh, Seymour Duncan or DiMaggio pickups, I should, sorry, uh, have the chopper. I don't know what it is about that pickup. I just like it. I like the mids. Like I said, it's, it's, it's everything I, I like in a, in a pickup like that. Um, and I have a bunch of the other ones and I tried them and I, they're all fine. No, no issues, but I like the chopper. So that's what I'm going to say. Uh, Lance says, Hey Phil, I bought your Affirma base. You did. Hey, what's up Lance? Let me tell you. Okay. I want to hear what he says. Then I'll tell you the story. He says, uh, from a small music store in Arizona that was called Zim's guitars. Uh, he says, I, I just put flats on it and I'm even full uh, further in love. Yeah. Flats are great on that guitar. Cause it's got the piezo system. So, so Lance, I met Lance and his buddy at, uh, at the, the uh, Zim's music. Uh, I had took, uh, some guitars, as I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I took a bunch of guitars and uh, stuff down to Zim's and sold it to Zim. That way he can just sell it. And because uh, I needed to clear out the shop area. The Affirma base, the Ivan is Affirma base, was this base that I absolutely love. And I bought it. And when I when I got it, <laughs> when I got it, I, I wanted it for the tone. I wanted it for, you know, the way it plays, but I really wanted it to hang it on the wall and stare at it and put it in the front room. So I put it in the front room and uh, you guys can Google what the Affirma base is, uh, phonetically spelled correct, uh, the way it should be. Uh, so anyways, my wife says the ugliest thing she ever saw. And she kept taking it out of the front room and she's like, this is just hideous. <laughs> so it it slowly went into the shop and then it sat there and sat there. And then basically long story short, I go, okay, it's time for it to go. And then Lance, well, he bought it. So he got it. Uh, so, uh, so congratulations, Lance. It's a great, great base. So, and because of that, I'm officially, I only own three bases now. That's it. And one of them is behind me, which is my urge, my stew ham urge. So I have my urge, my Warwick and my Fender original base that I've had forever. So, 
So anyways, uh, so yeah, congratulations again. Don likes the True Velvets. We're going back and forth on this uh, DiMaggio pickups. True Velvet's good. I mean, like I said, I like all the, not all, I guess, all the ones I've played of the DiMaggio's, um, but I like the Chopper. Okay. A lot of people like the Super Distortion. I have one of those. It's very nice. You're talking about for mini pickups, though, right? The mini humbuckers. Like for full size, I like Super Distortions for sure. The mini ones, I like them too. I just, it's not my absolute favorite. It's hot. It's uh, it's a little hotter than the chopper. Okay. Um, you guys really like talking about IKEA, man. You you all need to. You need to. <laughs> You need to widen horizons a little bit. Ikea is not that interesting of subject on any level. <laughs> I mean, sure, the Swedish meatballs are good, but that's it. Okay, uh, let's do... Let's, let's go ahead and refresh this screen. And... Did I do it? I did. Hold on. Ah, Chris. Okay, Chris Mo Treble says, I agree with your wife on the Firma base. So did Ralph, by the way, which made it worse. Everybody hated it. Everybody. Like, I thought it was a work of art. Like, literally, I didn't... <laughs> Not only did I think it was a great base. I mean, I literally thought it was a work of art. I thought, like... <laughs> like, like, if I was a millionaire, this is what I would probably buy and stick... <laughs> on a wall in, in my mansion and uh, everybody was like this is horrible <laughs> uh, so that's funny okay let's find a, let's find let's find another question um Okay, um, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just scanning for a topic, interesting topics and interesting subjects that aren't IKEA. Uh, Melody Strong says, "Hey, Phil, I love uh, love the shows. Thank you, buddy. Uh, or thank you for that." Says, "I have a Katana Mark 250. What uh, do you recommend for a speaker replacement?" So when I had my Mark uh, 250 Katana. I uh, did that. I was like, oh, I'm going to change the speaker out. And I think there's a couple YouTube videos where they did that. I didn't get to watch them. But I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to like, what? what's the best speaker for your Mark II 50 Katana? And I popped one out. I put in a Vintage 30. And then I put in a Greenback Neo Light. And then I put in a, uh, a, a Greenback. So Greenback Vintage 30. And then the uh, the Neo Greenback. And in, in my humble opinion i thought the original speaker was the best and then i go oh this would be a good video and then i go uh why <laughs> although it would be nice to hear that from somebody uh like you just heard right now as a video it was absolutely boring to watch it was like 
So I, I didn't, I didn't do it. I didn't put it in. I didn't put it in edit mode and do it. But that was my thing, and it would make sense because that guitar. I'm sure that speaker is not so much voiced as so much an entirely like a guitar speaker. I'm sure it's more like a. I could be wrong. Again, I'm just, I'm just guessing. But my guess is it's probably voiced a little bit to, to, to just basically take the sounds and, and amplify them. Not so much be part of the sound, but I could be wrong. So. And then Dead Shred says uh, he's recommending the Vintage 30, which is funny because, like I said, great suggestion. Um, and I'm a Vintage 30 fan for sure. So, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. But uh, for me, it's not even a – like he said, if you have the cash, you know, go for the Vintage 30. For me, it wasn't so much the cash because I have Vintage 30s. Uh, but it was like I didn't hear enough of an improvement my, to my ears. I didn't hear enough of an improvement to go, well, why do I – you know, why keep the Vintage 30 in there? So – Maybe maybe it made the distortion sound a little sweeter, but it's not that it wasn't better. It just well, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't worse. I just didn't notice a huge difference in sound. And again, everything's got to make sense financially to some degree. Oh my goodness, you guys are now talking about doing a meetup at the at the IKEA. You guys should all meet up at the IKEA and tell me how it goes. Andrew Harrison, I just because I'm answering questions. Andrew says, "What what do I reckon? What do I reckon to the? What do I reckon? What do I reckon to the great guitar build off of 2021? Have you checked out any of the builds? I haven't. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I wasn't aware uh, that there was one. Makes sense. Was it about this time last year we did the 20 the 2020 great guitar build off. I don't. I didn't know. I, nothing's coming in my YouTube feeds. I don't get to watch as much YouTube videos as I used to. You know what I mean? It, it's just, I tend, now what I tend to do, like this show, I tend to find stuff where people are talking and play that in the background while, while I'm doing stuff and so much not watch YouTube, but listen. So, um, but now that you've said that, which is why I wanted to read it to remind myself later, I'll go out there and pack, peck and look and see what's, what's on there. Declan wants to know, Declan wants to know with a giant red question mark, when do we get to see the Music Nomad Nut Files video or did I miss it? You didn't miss it. I'm just very thorough. I have done so many guitars now with those Music Nut, Nomad Nut Files and it, it's literally, uh, there's a difference. I ho hope you guys understand this. There is a difference when I review a guitar, when I review an amp, when I review a pedal, and when I review a tool. There is a difference between here is this product, right? So let's say you get a product and I go, this is what it does and this is what, you know, what it is. And then I say, here's my two cents on that and then I go. Versus this is what I use and this is why I use it. I don't think it's a hard thing to figure out in any videos that when I'm like, okay, this is something I use, right? Like a 68 Princeton amp. This is an amp I use. I didn't, I didn't get it to go, Oh yeah, everybody here, let's check it out. You guys talked about it. Let's talk about it. Talk about it. I literally, I own it. And I tell you guys why I own it, why I like it. Um, the Music Nomad fi Files, um, I'm trying to figure out if it's something I'm going to use forever or I'm just doing the video and the demonstration of it. This has been uh, so in, so perplexing and so much work involved in this that even last night, I was up till late last night working with them. Uh, trying to figure that out because I have been using the same nut files since 2004. 
the same set. Um, I think I've, I've told you guys this. Stu Mac has sent me the new Diamond ones, and uh, they were great in the idea that, yep, I tried them. They were fine. If you guys want a recommendation on them, sure. I enjoyed them, but I didn't stop using my set. What I would like to do before I release the video is be able to tell you in the video, honestly, not if they're good or not, but am I going to use these now or am I going to still then go, hey, check these out. And then next week you're going to see me still using the ones I've used since the get go. So that's what's going on with that. So it's a little tough sometimes when I make a video like that because it's very important to me uh, to, to not only let you guys know that, but why. The why is I think sometimes more important than anything else why I'm using them and why, I, why I'm not using them. So. Robert wants to know, <laughs> just guess we're just going to do random questions about stuff, but I like jump around right now. It's fun. This is why <laughs> Robert wants to know, why, why Phil? No, he says, Phil, why do so many people hate the Marshall DSL 40 C? I use a uh, JHS little black box in the effects loop. Okay. Me too. I use that all the time and it sounds great. Um, why do they hate the DSL 40C? Why do they hate it? I don't know why they hate it. Why would you hate a piece of an amp? <laughs> uh, I like it. I think a lot of people like it. I think, uh, I guess if somebody hates it, I, I don't even understand that. So, you know, it, it either, it either fits your artistic need to make music with it or it doesn't. There's something about it that you, you know, that doesn't vibrate. I, I don't know. I like it. I think a lot of people like it. I think they sell a lot of those. Uh, so I think, I think the overall, uh, sometimes it feels like, it feels like sometimes, you know, a few people like with videos, when I make, cause I make videos all the time. I feel like eight comments negative can take a video that obviously is doing well. You know, you could tell that people, a lot of people watched it. There's a lot of connection to it. It's obviously thriving. The, you know, the content it has nothing to do with me. I'm just talking about content and there's eight negative comments and then people get hyper-focused on this. And, uh, and um, I find it's funny, you know, the, the uh, you know, squeaky wheel, right? It's all, you know, squeaky wheel analogy. Um, it's the same thing. I, I don't really see what I would consider a lot of people hate it or so many people hate it. That's not how I would perceive it. I could be wrong, but that's not how I see it. Um, I find that it happens sometimes when you do a video, a company will reach out to me and be like, I saw the comment about the person who said they hated the sound of the guitar or they they thought the amp was overpriced. And I'm like, yeah, they said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making jokes. This is on, honest to God phone calls I'm on sometimes each week. And I go, yeah, they said that. And they go, yeah. And I go, they thought it was overpriced. I'm like, so I guess they're not buying it. I don't, I don't understand. And they're like, well, you know, and I'm like, people say crap, but ultimately that doesn't mean anything. We all have an opinion. We want to give it. It's great. Um, so back to your thing, I, I, you know, a few people probably don't like it. That'd be my guess. Uh, putting, I'm going to say Julio, putting Julio says my Marshall 40 C has an awful electric noise, huge zapping sound. That's not good. Anyone have a clue what's going wrong? I'm going to say tubes because <laughs> I always say that it could be your tubes that, that doesn't actually sound like a tube problem. That's what sucks. But, uh, yeah, the tubes uh big mikey z i thought it said 200 but it's big mikey z zero zero says phil question mark you didn't do it question mark phil but we'll do it fine it says have you sold your jj jr i did that's why i have this thing 
So I have my Dirty Shirley Mini. It goes like this. So here's the deal. I think I told everybody this. Let's be very clear. I had a, a JJ Jr. I had the, the Pink Taco and I had the Dirty Shirley Mini. And my million-dollar plan was to sell all three of those and buy the twin sister, which you cannot find anywhere. So I sold them one by one, but I sold the Dirty Shirley last. When I mean sold, I mean I didn't sell it. I sold those other two, the the Pink Taco and the and the JJ. I sold those. And then as soon as I got my hands on a, you know, a Dirty Shirley or I mean the twin sister, sorry, or I, you know, ordered it, I would sell off the Dirty Shirley Mini. And I gave up. I gave up so much that I just said, screw it. And I bought the BE, uh, what am I sorry, BE? I bought the small box 50. So I got the small box 50. And then the plan was, okay, what do I like better, the small box 50 or the Dirty Shirley Mini? And then I would get rid of the Dirty Shirley Mini and keep the small box. That was the plan to focus all those little amps into one amp. It's not so much for size, just one amp. And uh, I really like it, but I'm still torn between the two. So there you go. I, I mean, torn being, I like things about both of them, but that's what happened with that. That was a great amp though. It just wasn't what I was looking for as a, as an amp. I will tell you this, having the small box 50 now in hindsight, I think the JJ is probably one of the best deals you can buy from Friedman for sure. For everything I got out of that amp and everything you can get out of that amp. I think if you were, if you were, so your question isn't this, but if your question was, Phil, what's the best Freeman deal out there, I think it's the JJ. The JJ gives you everything you would ever want from a Freedman amplifier. A little bit higher gain, a little bit lower gain, a little bit of Marshall plexitone, a little bit of, you know, a little bit higher gain sound, a decent clean channel. It's uh, priced in a more realistic price point. Keep in mind, I said realistic. So so anybody wants to put in the comments that, you know, it's, it's a lot, it's 1600 bucks, a lot of money, but not in, not in Freedman world In Freeman world. 1600 bucks is you're just in the parking lot. You don't get to come inside. <laughs> so, okay. So, uh, Brett says, Hey, been wanting an SG with P90s. Is there a noticeable difference between the Epiphone and the Gibson pickups? If I go Epiphone, are there, wait. Oh, if I go Epiphone, are there years and features I should look for and stay away from? Uh, I like your question, although let me phrase your question in a way I think will help you better. Uh, so the question really comes down to, you you know, you want a P90SG, um, and the you is there a difference between, between the pickups of those two guitars? There could be. I've never done really just an AB comparison of those two guitars. What I would imagine, though, is if you bought yourself an Epiphone, uh, SG with P90s and you didn't like this pickups, you can just put the Gibsons uh, in them or, you know, Lawlers or anything else you want to put in those, uh, in that guitar and you'd be fine. So I think I summed it up best when I bought my ES-35, my Gibson, and I said, I could buy the Epiphone because I think it's really good. I just wanted the Gibson for the collectability of it. That was what put me over the top between those two guitars. You could argue that the Gibson was slightly better, or different, or whatever. Those were all factors. But at the end of the day, uh, I bought a Gibson ES-335 for a great deal. And like I said, it's worth what I paid for it. Um, 
And I'm sure if I found an Epiphone for that same kind of situation, maybe I would have taken advantage of that. But right now I have an ES-335, a Gibson. I get to play it every day as much as I want. And then if I ever want to get rid of it or have to get rid of it because, you know, hey, the world goes to crap, uh, I'll sell it. And I will literally, worst case scenario, it's like I got to play it for free for however many months. It's not the worst thing you can do with your money uh, in the grand scheme of things. But yeah, that's what I would uh, do. Yeah, phone. I really, in my, I mean, there's reasons why Gibsons are good. There are reasons why Gibsons sound great. There's reasons why people want them over uh, the Epiphone counterparts. For me, this is all I'm saying. For me, I'm not telling you guys what to think. I'm telling you what I think. I buy Gibsons because I know I will get my money back at every Gibson. I bought that Gibson White V. I literally, right now, if I offered it to any of you for what I bought it for, you'd pay me that. I know. I know. And my 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 Epif or my Epif my Gibson P90 SG, I literally right now if I offered you well hell, if I offered anybody for what I paid for it, not only would you pay me for it, I'd be stupid. So <laughs> I have to sell it to you for a little bit more than I paid for it. So again, that's one of the one of the reasons why I did that. If you can find an opportunity for an Epiphone, you can do the same thing with an Epiphone. It's just I found those Gibsons and uh, that's what's nice about one thing that's about nice about Gibsons is the resale value on them is pretty good, especially the longer you sit on them, the more you're guaranteed, well, almost guaranteed is a loose word, right? The longer you sit on a Gibson, the more probability there is that you'll get your money back out of it that you spent. And there's very few companies that get to say that guitar wise. It's Gibson, then Fender, maybe. And then after that, everyone is just hit or miss, whether it's PRS or it's Ibanez or whatever brand, you know, Charvel's, um, they live in that world. And, um, you know, everyone every day is looking on Craigslist for Gibsons. It's just how it will always will be. So, and then Joseph says, Epi all the way. Like I said, there's literally no, nothing wrong with the Epiphones. So. Alan Dean says, for the cost of the B-head, you could almost get two JCM 100s. I have a JCM 100. I like my BE more. I mean, I have a Plexi too behind me too. I have a bunch of Marshalls. I, they're, they're great. Same thing. Marshalls are like Gibsons. Uh, my 2061, my Plexi, the 800, my 900. Uh, you know, they're all worth something. It's really cool. Um, I'll, I'll tell you in a perfect world, <laughs> I don't know why, in a perfect world for me, I don't a Marshall that sounded like that. In fact, here's what I know. When I say I know, I really believe this. If Marshall made an amp that sounded like that, Freeman would be looking for a job. I, if I was Marshall, and if Marshall ever hears this, which I doubt it, I'd buy Freeman. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'd buy them just to get them to make all your amps sound like that. And then make Friedman Edition Marshalls and let Dave retire on a beach somewhere <laughs> and call it a day. That would be my that would be my thoughts because I don't understand uh, why Marshalls not making amps uh, better than they are used to. I mean they're great classic amps, but we're buying them for the wrong reasons. We're buying them because they 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 sound great because they used to sound great, but 
realistically, there's so much nicer things you can do with an amps. The thing that I like about this PE, so you know, uh, which again, it's a crazy expensive amp. I'm not saying anything different. The thing I like about it is to get the plexi to sound like that. I have to uh, run it through some kind of attenuation, and then, uh, and then even then, it's not right. And then put some kind of boost in front of it, where I can just turn on the Friedman and just get that sound right away. So that's kind of nice. But I'm still, you know, like anybody, I'm still attached to branding. I like Marshalls because it's, it's a branding thing. Yeah, John says U.S. guitars appreciate more than imports generally. Yes, well, here, yes, absolutely. With no exception to that, there are very few cases where the U.S. made guitars uh, don't have the the premium put to them. And we know Japanese guitars and other brands or other countries as well can have premium to them as well. But it's also keep in mind we say U.S. guitars like that means just because it's made in the USA, it has that premium. It's not true. Gibson has a amazing resale value. Fender has an amazing resale value. They just do. It's astronomically different than everybody else, right? I'm sure I don't even have to do it because it would just be a, a lot of work to basically tell you what I already know. If you were to take all the guitars that are used on reverb right now and look at how, what they're selling for used versus new prices, I bet you when you put it on a graph, Gibsons and Fenders would be by far on average getting more per dollar back that you got used in you know, from what they were new. That's just how that works. Car companies are no different too. Car companies are some like sometimes like that. Some car companies have better resale value than other car companies. And it and it's not even always an indication of how good the car is. Just some cars have premiums put them. So those two guys get a premium to it, you know. And it's just how it works. It's it's uh it's like that. And so Import wise, I don't know if that'll ever change. That's the million dollar question is, will it will ever change? Will uh, Korean made Schecter's ever have huge resale value and desire like like some of these other brands? I, I don't really know. I just know that it's fun to own some cool guitars, to play with them and stuff. And I know, <laughs> I know, um, like I said, I know what I can buy and have fun with and not cost me anything. This week I sold a Parker fly. As you guys know, I, I bought a new white one and I sold my, my brown one. And, um, you know, here's the deal. I bought my brown Parker fly in 2009. might've been 08. So just, you know, off a year, 2008, 2009, I bought it for 2009, sold it to a good friend of mine, gave him a smoking deal. Cause my other friend gave me a smoking deal on the white one. Sold it to him for $100 more than I paid for it in 2009. So when people tell me, oh man, that Parker guitar, those are overpriced. Well, you know what? I paid, I played it for <laughs> a decade and I made a hundred bucks. And that's not an, that's not an amazing return on my money, but yeah, it is. Cause I mean, I got to play something for a decade and literally it didn't cost me anything. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so same thing. Sometimes, you know, sometimes there's just, it's not that all guitars should be investment, but like I said, I have guitars that I like and I play all the time. And then there's guitars that I like, you know, playing around with and stuff and just checking them out and doing things with them. Huh. Uh, 
Um, this one's from Lori. Lori says, hey, Phil, if you are new to the electric guitars, what is your opinion, my opinion, on which pedal a newbie might want for the first pedal? There's a lot of great first pedals. However, a uh, couple things is I don't know what amp you have. So if you have some kind of modeling amp, sometimes the pedals aren't really an important thing. So keep in mind, if you have a Katana or a Spark or a Line 6 or any of those modeling amps, I don't even really recommend a pedal so much. You know what I mean? As I do recommend getting into those amps and trying all the different sounds and effects and, and amp tones. Is, you know, it's there, it's easy, and you can get into that. However, if you want to get a pedal, my my one of my favorite pedals to recommend is the um, Line 6 M five it's called the m5 and what it is is it has 100 different pedals in it and it's not scary what i mean is um very straightforward you know six knobs a screen to tell you which pedal you're looking at and all color coded so like all the delays are green all the reverbs are like orange all the compressions I think are, are yellow and distortions are yellow. So you can try 100 different pedals and they're all, if you go on their website or if you go online, you can look and it'll tell you what, every pedal they have, what it's cloned after. I have a video on it and uh, I still highly recommend that. Now, every time I say this on the show, everyone always chimes in with the M9 by Line 6 or the M13. Those are the bigger uh Unit. So the M1 does one effect at a time, but has 100. The M9 does like six pedals, but three at a time. And then the M13, obviously the numbers expand. So the things, and all of those are fine. I don't, I'm not, not recommending those, but I'm saying is you can pick up the M5. It's very inexpensive. Uh, it runs on nine volt power supply. So it comes to power supply. Very cool pedal to check out. But more importantly, it's not so much a cool pedal to check out. It's not very complicated and it still feels like an analog type pedal. That's one I would definitely recommend. Um, to, to a lot of people. I use one as li literally uh, sometimes when I watch a YouTube video and I watch somebody and I go, check out this phaser. And I go, oh, that's a cool phaser. I need that. And before sometimes I go out on reverb and buy this pedal while I'm in pulse mo in mode, I will pull out the M5 and find it and try to duplicate the pedal. And I'll go, wow, this is really good. I need this. And I play it. And after about 15, 20 minutes, I go, eh, I think I'm I'm out of that mood now. And then sometimes I'm like, nope, still going to buy it. So it's kind of nice that way. So Amanda wants everybody to hit the like button. And, you know, thank you, Amanda. That was really nice of you. By the way, I don't know if you saw your your moderator stuff. The people in the U.S. already got their moderator stuff. Uh, and if you're a moderator in the U.S. and you didn't get your stuff, please send me an email because either it got lost and you didn't get it or uh, I somehow missed you somehow, which is, it can happen. So just email me. Um, but Ben and Amanda's uh, are going to uh, Canada and because they're going to Canada, uh, which I warned everybody. And I, I think Matt's is also, is that overseas as well? Uh, I warn everybody all the time. If you are outside the United States, I will not go to the post office <laughs> because I don't want to. My lovely, amazing wife goes to the post office for me and she will only go <laughs> like once a week. So yours got sent uh, late because, um, you know, she didn't, she didn't want to do customs paperwork. <laughs> so there you go. All right, let's get back. Let's back to, back to guitar stuff. Um, Uh, 
Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just looking over again, looking for a topic or something we can talk about. Um, yeah, Mike Young, I want to address this one because again, this is, like I said, I liked, I like this subject. I hope you guys will enjoy these things on, that was the whole purpose of these QAs. The purpose of the QA show, again, was I was making content and content sometimes helps people. Sometimes it's just entertainment. Sometimes it, you know, uh, you, you learn something, right? That's what's great about all of us making content. Uh, you know, everybody's got something they can teach somebody. But sometimes the content created questions, you know, like, oh, well, I, don't, I understand what he means by that, but, but, and so I started doing this weekly, like, okay, well, let's answer the questions. And the, 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 the idea of this show was I would answer all the questions of the videos I made that week. That was really where I thought this was going. Never goes that way. It's, I don't think it's ever gone that way. But, but the reason I say that is then I slowly have hopefully turned this into, I want you guys to see the insight of not so much what I do on YouTube, because I think if you watch YouTubers, whether that's 200 subscribers or 2 million subscribers, you're never going to get a full picture if that's something that you're trying to figure out, you know what I mean? And what they're thinking and doing. So the reason is, is this question kind of lines up to that. So Mike Young band, the Mike Young band, I'm assuming is a band. So check out the Mike Young band. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Mike Young band says it would be cool to buy and sell guitars and never have to pay for a guitar. I think I definitely, I definitely think it can be done. I have literally bought one guitar in 10 years. That's an absolute fact. I've told you guys this many times. I have bought one guitar in 10 years. The reason I say that is, and I'm going to explain in a second why. Uh, I, it says, I definitely think it can be done. Um, so let me explain it to you in a way. And I've said this before, but again, it's important you guys understand this. So I have uh, some, some, some people, for children watching, some people when they get married, they have separate accounts. That happens, okay? Somebody, like the wife has an account, the husband has an account. Sometimes that's, that's how it works when they get married. That's not how it works in my life. In my life, in my life, my wife, my life, my wife, uh, we have one account, right? She runs the accounting. She's the accountant. Um, and so uh, our money is a pool of money. It's our money. My gear money is separate, I have known my wife since she was 13. We're, uh, she is the same age as me. We've known each other since we were 13. We were met in junior high. We've been friends uh, all those years. We didn't start dating until we were 21. I'm not trying to bore you guys with the story. I just want you to understand why this is going to connect in a second. Um, we started dating when we were like 21, 22. And she's known me all this time. So I'm, I, I've, she's, she, per her <laughs> statements, uh, when it comes to all this, I've been a very consistent person since this all started. What I want to tell you is I've had some rules and there are rules. I started this when I was, because I was poor, man. Like I lived in a truck. I was homeless. Like all that stuff you can think of. I mean, like I said, I, again, no, no qualms about this. I joined the army literally because I couldn't make rent that month. And it was just, a, you know, that was it. I got to do something. I didn't tell anybody what I did. I just came back to an apartment where my, at the time, girlfriend, which is now my wife said, and I said, I, I, I joined the army because I don't, I don't, we're broke. So, uh, so anyways, uh, my point to this story is even all through that, I had a rule and the rule was I would never sell a piece of gear because I knew, cause I, you know, like I said, I've been desperate. I would never sell a piece of gear no matter what. Uh, and, and so you understand, unless I bought a piece of gear, I once actually twice I have, and I just want you to understand this. I have 
sold a car, so I've been carless. I hawked a car once and then had to get it out of hawk. And I would I did that. I would rather take the bus to work than sell my piece of gear, my my guitar. So uh, and so what I did was when I joined the army, I sell everybody. I sold them all my, a lot of my guitars. I didn't sell them all. And I told them, but I put that money in a, an account. So what's happened all these years is we have this, uh, rule and it goes, it goes really simple. Uh, it's like house money, right? Anyone ever heard the term house money? That's where I got the idea from. It's basically you go, you get 20 bucks and you go to a casino and you put 20 bucks in and you win and you get 80 bucks. And then you take your 20 bucks and you put it back in your pocket. In this case, let's say I hand it back to my wife. And now I have 60 bucks, right? Uh, if that math works, I know I said I won 80. So technically I still have 80, but let's just go with it. I won 60 bucks. And now that's the house's money. So if I lose that money or if I make more money, it was all done on someone else's dime. I've been running that system uh, for my personal collection of guitars and amps my whole life. Even as my store, at my music store, I was running that same exact system. So I, I do exactly that. Everything is a strategic move to refine a collection over years. And so uh, that's the way I do this stuff. That's why when everybody asks me, that's why I don't have great answers for you when you're like, what does my wife think about all this stuff? Well, she thinks I make a living in this industry and literally cost her nothing doing it. She thinks it's amazing. And I'm not kidding. That's what she would tell you. She's like, she, she doesn't see anything. You guys see me go, look at my new Gibson. And my wife goes, she, she, it doesn't come out of her account. It doesn't come out of anything. She doesn't even know. She doesn't even care. I, I think I've told you this story. A, a year or two ago, I bought a purple Strat and it was the first guitar. It was a purple deluxe Strat and I bought it from Wilcut Guitars. She was out of town. I think she was in Reno or maybe in Oregon. I can't remember. She was visiting her parents and her dad works in, uh, for companies where he travels. So he was either in Oregon or he's in Reno. And I used like our money. I used our money to buy a guitar. And she, that flagged her because not because I bought a guitar. She's never, you know, she doesn't see that. And she, re, she even called me that day and said, did you buy a guitar? And I'm like, yeah, because I didn't, I actually exhausted my account and I could have sold some stuff. I just didn't want to. I wanted the guitar. So that's the way I do this. And the reason I explain that is because on YouTube, it doesn't present that way. And sometimes people don't understand there's a lot to this more than just, you know, this there's 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 a lot it's a lot of work to amass a collection like this and then once that you build a collection like this it kind of like keeps morphing on its own you know what i mean you sell something you get something like i said i tell everybody look in i'm upfront about everything my my customer who is my friend sold me a white parker fly for eleven hundred dollars right i owned a parker fly that was a mojo that I had paid $1,400 for new in 2008 or nine. And I sold that guitar for $1,500, put $100 in my pocket, right? Because that's right. And I took the 14 and I paid myself the 11 I paid. So I'm technically up, you know, up, meaning I have 300 bucks back in my account to churn. And that's if I don't keep the profit, which I do. So I'm up 400 bucks. That's basically how that works. The math is a little loose on that, but you get the idea. So to you guys, you see me going, oh, he got another guitar. But really, uh, Brown per Parker turned into a White Parker in a better situation. And I'll continually do that over and over again. And not just to churn the money, but to, like I said, 
it, it, I strategically saw that opportunity. I can buy a better guitar or a guitar I like more. I can put money back in my kitty, <laughs> right? Uh, which then turns, lets me go, okay, well, what do I do with that extra cash? Oh, maybe I'll, I'll you know, get this amp. So things like that. So, I hope that helps. Um, and again, I don't know how to make a video like that. <laughs> so, okay, so, yeah, you know what, John John put a comment. He said, the landlord has been behind more sales than I can count. Yeah, well, you know, I've been there. I, I mean, I know I hate I hate saying it like that because it sounds so, I don't know, you know. Uh, but I mean, it, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I, I think that's why, again, look, at this point in my life, I've been in business, uh, like I said, I've been in my own business, my, my business since 2003. And... Everything in my body says, you know, uh, I call it the grind. I get up and I grind, right? I tell my wife, I got to go grind. You know, right? I get, I get hustle, go. Um, but in the back of my head, I still think like, yeah, I might have to sell all this one day. <laughs> like even on my YouTube channel, I think about this all the time. Like one day I'm going to do a video and everything's gone and I'll have one guitar and I'll be like, how to, how to pay the bills or how to do this thing, you know, right? So I think about that stuff sometimes. I enjoy this stuff, but it's, it's, uh, it's what happens when, if you get, if you've ever experienced being super broke, no matter how good you think you're doing in life, your brain says that's always a possibility you can return to. I can't shake it loose. I'm sorry. It's like, it's like the trauma of that. And if you're in that current situation now and you're watching content like this, well, all I can tell you is, uh, you know, dude, it sucks. And you got to work your ass off all the time. Even, even when you think you're doing fine, you still work. Joe says you must have several guitars. You will never sell. Um, no, you know, I mean, obviously like I, I, I can tell you like there's things, uh, there's things that I have, I have done over the years too, uh, which I will never undo. For instance, like, um, there are guitars I have that are worth money that I can sell them, but I would never sell them without offering them back to my friends for the price I paid for them first, right? We call that the first right of refusal. Um, that white Parker has a, a, a first right of refusal tag on it. In other words, if I was to say, okay, I'm done with Parker's and I sell that white one, I would call my buddy and say, Okay, eleven hundred bucks if you want it back. I, and then, and like anybody, like a sane person, I'd be like, I hope he says no, because, because <laughs> I think, uh, I think that guitar could go for fifteen to two grand strong, and maybe even more. But you know, we're talking about you know volatile markets. But my point on this is, um, yeah. So sometimes there would be a little of that. Also, guitars like Nathan made me that guitar, the the custom twenty four. There would be no way I'd sell that. Um, I'd, you know, I mean, I mean, I'd have to be. I mean, trust me, at that point, I think if I sold it, my situation would be so dire, I don't think Nathan would have a problem with it. You know what I mean? But if I had to sell a guitar like that because uh, I was in dire straits, I would probably offer it back to Nathan, either give it to him or at least say, hey, man, you know, something. Pay my gas bill and you can have it or something. So, yeah. There, so, no, the answer is the answer is actually no. Is there a guitar I wouldn't sell? I'd never sell? No. 
No, uh, even sentimental guitars. It's not so much. I when I say I wouldn't sell them, I'm assuming you mean have to sell them. If I have to sell something to pay my bills, like I said, I'm a I'm a father. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have kids. Uh, I have I have stuff to take care of. Everything will come first before the guitars. But I have successfully navigated not to do that all these years. So I'm going to assume maybe I can keep doing that my whole life. Uh, <laughs> Gypsy, Gypsy Lizard says, I got to answer this. So what are the differences between the two guitars and the Parkers? The new one is white. <laughs> uh, that's not even an exaggeration. Okay, so actually there's two differences. Um, the, I mean, there is a wood difference. So the, the one I sold off is mahogany. It's a mojo. That's not, it has nothing to do with anything. The main difference between the two, the reason why I wanted the white one is it's white, like Dave Navarro's was, which is every guitar I own is because some rock star had something to do with it. Like I, you know, I have a Van Halen guitar, not only just because of Van Halen, but I mean, there are certain guitars, like I like my Gretsch because I like Reverend Horton Heat and I like uh, Brian Setzer, you know what I mean? So I, you know, I like my Les Pauls because of Slash and Page. I, you know, I, I idolize these people. I love this music. And then I just want those because it makes me connected to those people in my mind somehow or whatever. I enjoy it. So a Parker to me is Dave Navarro. I, I don't know why I always thought he was just like, you know, cool. And so I, I, he's how I noticed Parker's. And so he had a white one and I thought the white one was the coolest. Um, but the one that I bought is white. That's the main reason I want it because the color, but the other reason is it has DiMarzio's in it. Uh, and they, uh, it's a refined and usually refines had Seymour Duncan's and I would rather have DiMarzio's in it because they were exclusive to that model of guitar. And I think that's also very cool. All right. Okay. Hold on, I'm just looking for questions. Let me go over, let me grab some super chats real quick. Okay, hold on. There it is. Okay, sorry. And then we'll... All right, we have uh, the next question comes from... Who does it come from? Am I? Okay, hold on a second. Okay, it comes from Ross. Ross says, hey, Phil, are Music Man Sterling necks much different than their USA necks? Yes, they are slightly thicker. Thicker in diameter, just like more girthy. Uh, so yes, uh, in, in the ones I've played, I've played the Sterlings I've played than the USA models. The USA models seem to be a little uh, a little thinner, uh, not only width-wise, but you know, in thickness, just all the way, all, in every dimension I can perceive, a little, a little smaller. Uh, than the Sterlings. And and again, that's just my assessment of it, but that's my assessment. Um, do I mind that? No, I actually like the Sterling necks probably a little bit more, preferably a little bit more. Um, I'm not into super small necks. So I like the, uh, the Sterlings a little bit more, although I like the fit and finish they do on the USA ones. They're definitely, that's some perfect ass stuff. 
I was going to say this, a bad word. Uh, music man, man, if there's one thing they can do, man, sometimes they can really dial in a neck really, really well. Uh, Neto Mendo, Neto Mendo, says, hey, Phil, uh, I put a volume pedal in the effects loop. Can I crank the preamp for a nice breakup? Yes. Uh, does the effects volume affect the sweet crank tone? No. So what would happen is, so what you're talking about is you put in a volume pedal in the effects loop of an amplifier, you crank the volume on the amplifier, uh, and you start rocking out and it sounds great. Um, the only negative of that is you're all pretty much all getting preamp distortion. So if you try to get the power amp section to distort a little bit or to overdrive, which is something that some amps will do, especially when they're cranked up, it's not like an attenuator. You're not going to get that sound. Um, but you know, it depends on your amp, if that's okay or not. Some amps really need the both of those, the synergy, not the synergy amps, but the synergy of the power section and the preamp section, both kind of driving and doing some stuff. Um, but in, for the most part, I like it's uh, putting the effect. It's no different than the black box by JHS. Put a volume and uh, uh, pedal <laughs> of some sort in the effects loop, uh, essentially turns the effects loop into a master master volume, even if the amp already has a master volume. It's a master, master volume, and it achieves what you want it to do with no... Uh, serious ill effects. I mean, obviously nothing that I've ever seen in any of my amps that have ever been a problem. Uh, gear sounds says, uh, Phil, thanks again for inspiring me to make gear videos. Uh, companies contacting me. Should I charge for videos or just make it in an exchange for product? The problem with this is, is that it's almost impossible to make money and again, not that it's your goal, but you're talking about money. So as soon as you talk about money, I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk, I'm going to think money is important to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you want to make a money, I didn't notice I'm not saying living at, in the YouTube arena, you're going to have to live with the idea that companies have to pay you. Um, free product will always turn into sold product because you'll need to fund yourself if that's your goal. Now, here's the thing about this. I will give you two cautionary tales that you need to pay attention to. One is if you're doing this and you want to do this, is this something you want to do is YouTuberness, <laughs> whatever that is, YouTuberness. Um, you have to understand that money is going to be a better situation for you because you get paid by the companies. It's almost impossible to make any money on YouTube without a company. And the reason I tell you this is, and again, I don't, I don't want to be uh, condescending in any way, but it's important that I kind of strike a very, very powerful chord in you. It's the average, in my experience, the average pedal company will pay like $300 for you to make a video. I make $300 on a video, I'll get about 50000 to 100,000 views. It variates on the time of year, how much you, video you consumed, in other words, all these factors and how much I make on a video. But if you told me, Phil, you need to make $300 on a video, I'm telling you I need 50 to 100,000 views to make that $300 happen. And again, sometimes it could be 300 at 50,000 views, or sometimes I need the whole 100,000 views to make the 300. It's different. I've made, let me put it this way, I've made $500 on a 50,000 video once, and I made $300 on a $100,000 video once, right? Depending on time of year and experiences. To get 50,000 views, I can't tell you any way other than what I've experienced. Is it? It's a lot of damn work. <laughs> like it's insane what I do to try to get 50,000 views. It's a lot of work. Um, and very few 
channels. I, like I, you know, look, I can't tell you how to do it. Just like uh, Tyler Larson can't tell me how to make uh, two, 300,000 views per video, right? Uh, you know, there's no magic co code, uh, you know, secret I can give you. Just like if otherwise I would ask a channel that gets a lot more views than me to ask me the secret. So the point of this story is, is think about this. If I can get 50 to 100,000 views, I can make as much as somebody that has, that gets a thousand views and just gets paid by a company. And that's what's happening out there. And that's fine. The difference between what, why my bit channel works the way it does versus some other channels. And it's, Nothing more than this. When I started my YouTube channel, like currently today, to this day, I own a business. Actually, I own two. I own other businesses. And owning a business is hard work, but it also makes you not want to tolerate anybody's shit. Excuse my language, but it's important to come across the way it needs to come across. I have a low tolerance for working for somebody because I don't work for anybody anymore. Um, I loved my corporate gig. It was great. I had a great 401k and I had, a, <laughs> I had a great stock option plan and they paid me really well. And I smiled every day because I was happy. <laughs> now I, I didn't hate that world. I just decided to go this way. And when I went this way, I started working for myself and you work for yourself. You have to work harder. You'll make less, but at least you don't have to smile because somebody told you to, you smile because you're actually smiling. So I don't do well turning myself back into an employee. So the reason I tell you this is, is that's why my advice have to, has to come across this way. It's not smart the way I do things sometimes. Uh, working and trying to figure out what you guys are interested in to get 50,000 views so I can make 300 bucks is not as easy, especially since it's a gamble. Every time I make a video, it takes me a day to two days to make it, and I can make $100, I can make $50, I can make $1,000, I have no idea what I make. And sometimes I look at the same scenario going, man, why don't I just take the payments from companies and just make, you know, it's guaranteed money for the amount of work you're doing. It's, and it's smart in that regards. The problem is I'm not looking for a job because I had a job. <laughs> I'm doing this myself. So I'm going to figure it out myself every day. So I tell you that you have to decide that now uh, on your own is I'm just giving you the information. So I would suggest that you take uh, money over product because you're going to end up having to sell that product if you're, if you're, if you're uh, going to try to make a living doing this. However, if, if, um, you, if you, uh, are going to do this as a hobby, and you just like, you just want, you know, it's great to get some free product and have some fun on the internet. Uh, I would do that. The only down, the cautionary thing I'm going to tell you is, is that that wears off real fast, real quick. Everybody, I think anybody who's been watching YouTube for any length of time can see how that, how that road goes. It's, hey, everyone, here's this unknown thing, a cheap thing. And it's amazing. And then that slowly, finally, if you keep going, turns into real things like, look, a real brand that you've heard of sent me a thing and maybe you'll keep that. But what I've learned is, is that uh, if a company reaches out to me, I can almost guarantee on it. <laughs> I can guarantee this. If a company reaches out to me and says, hey, would you like to do a video? We'd like to send you this guitar. And I look at their website and I go, this is amazing. Send me the blue one. They're going to send me anything other than what I asked for because they got to send the thing they want to sell. So a lot of times the, the free guitar that you're working for isn't even the guitar you wanted. So I, I, I find that, um, 
just be cautionary about that. Those are my suggestions to everyone doing this. The other thing too is also don't be de delusioned by things you see. Like I have affiliate links and we do affiliate links. I do t-shirts, all that stuff. It's great. But I mean, literally it takes millions of views. I have, I have a hundred million views collectively across the platform, a hundred million views to make hundreds, sometimes, sometimes if you're lucky, thousands of dollars, um, which is mind boggling on every level. Uh, when you think about it that way. So uh, so like I said, go into it, but I would do it that way. But the uh, last piece of advice you didn't ask for, but it's important to me to give it to you is whatever you do, please tell your audience what the hell you're doing. That's it. Like I said, I don't, I, some people will begrudge you no matter what you do. Screw them. They're assholes. The rest of everybody else, uh, as long as you're being truthful with them, they shouldn't have a problem with what you're doing. If they don't like it, they don't have to watch it. And if they like it, they watch it. That's how it works. The only thing is you don't ever want to uh, take someone's trust and, and uh, manipulate it or, or ruin it because you'll never get it back. And it's an unforgiving, unforgetting platform. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> Somebody's just talking about blue guitars. I'm sorry. Copy up card. I like the blue guitars uh, comment. All right. Uh, let's go to the next question. Uh, I hope that helps. And by the way, congratulations on making your YouTube channel. Like I said, enjoy it. And, and I, I say this all the time. Best piece of advice I ever got, which isn't from a YouTuber, but just from a friend and, and who's also in business doing stuff. He said, uh, you know, uh, uh, build the company you would like to work for. I love that uh, saying. I also say build the YouTube channel you would want to watch. Gonzalo says, hey there, Phil. My girlfriend bought me a PRS 10 top custom 24. Well, you're getting married, dude. That's how that works. Um, <laughs> if she'll take you, but if she will, you would, uh, you would, yeah. Okay, it says a 24 in faded blue for my birthday. Should I wife her up? Yes, of course. That's done deal. We've already explained this. Not because she bought you a guitar, which automatically makes her wife material. Not because she bought you a great guitar, again, also great, but because your life is guaranteed now that when you buy your next guitar, she won't say anything. <laughs> there you go. You can't condemn somebody for something that you've already done too. So that's my suggestion to you. Do that. Uh, <laughs> Trust the legend says, hey, Phil, from Bonnie, Scotland. Hey, what's up? It's probably rainy and cold. It's hot and dry here. My uh, my brother has a Patrick Eagle New York Plus, and I have a Reverend Charger HC. Both great guitars uh, for our similar uh, smaller hands. Uh, you know, I've never tried the the Patrick Eagle New York Plus. I never heard of it. But is that I don't even know if that's a brand or if that's a model within Reverend. But the Reverend Charger HC that I've checked out, I enjoyed the Reverend. I I checked out. I really did. Um, I'm still working on the Korean version, the newer version, uh, Reverend. I adjusted it a little bit because I wanted to um, make the video. I wanted to get some other videos in as well before I release that video. But uh, so, yeah, the Reverend stuff, I I enjoy it. I, I I think they're cool looking. They're fun. They play great. Great stuff. Uh, Rock Daddy says, I think he's, oh, he's, oh, he is, Rock Daddy <laughs> is responding to Gonzalo. He says, I think, no, or it just says Gonzo, uh, he's talking to you. He says, she bought you a PRS 24. She's a keeper, but no amp question mark. <laughs> I'd hold the ring till then. Nice. Nice. Rock Daddy. You are what my friend is what's called a pimp. 
<laughs> you're like custom 24 10 top where's my amp <laughs> that's that's see good 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 on you or bad on you depends on how you look at it hey my dog just came in here okay so <laughs> uh a gravitar dart vark <laughs> what are my thoughts on iyv guitars never heard of them so that's there. First that. I'm looking at their Les Paul style. I'm seeing what I would consider mostly positive reviews, and they seem to be compared to something like Epiphone a lot. Oh, I, I have never tr I've never tried it. These uh, these uh, IYV. I mean, so I, I've known, I don't know. I'll look. But like I said, you know, like I, say, I, I say all the time, I hear, I hear about a new guitar every day. So hold on a second. I got to close my door because, like I said, my dog just came in and – Open the door. Okay. Uh, Grumpy Mike Guitar says, as a VA medical worker, I want to thank you for many times you mentioned our vets. And of course, thank you for your service. I appreciate that. Like I said, I appreciate that. And of course, um, thank you, man, for, you know, VA medical workers. Uh, like I said, it's it's a tough gig, man. It's a tough gig. Uh, the uh, VA medical workers... You know, I don't want to go on a speech right now, but just important. I, just because, you know, uh, medical workers are important and obviously we need to honor them. VA medical workers are a different, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to cause controversy, are another level of that um, because I have done a lot of work with vets and there's they're they're tough. <laughs> I, 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 I am a vet. And so therefore, you know, I appreciate vets, veterans, or veteran, veterans, uh, veterans, um, uh, but it's tough. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pain there, mental and physical, and you're dealing with it. And um, uh, yes. And um, my, my experience, I want to tell you experience I have, it, it goes like this. I was once at a VA medical hospital, a VA hospital, and I watched them prescribe a patient. This is a true story. Some of you will be shocked. Some of you will, you know, not, you know, will already know what I'm going to say. They prescribed a patient a beer. I thought I was in a bizarre world, right? So they, they literally prescribed, the doctor wrote a pr prescription for a beer for a patient. That's, and I was like, I don't understand why, why the hell would you do that? And they're like, well, He's dealing with all this stuff and this pain, and of course he's an alcoholic, and he, he you know, it's it's like you got to put out fires and deal with this stuff, and so I realized that that day, like it was a really, it was really a powerful moment where I was like, wow, you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff going on here. So I I know that was like an off topics thing, but I, that's my say way of saying thank you, Mike Guitar, Grumpy Mike Guitar, for thanking me, but thank you back for all that craziness and stuff. Um. Oh, by the way, did I just read that backwards? By the way, that was Buzz Wilson. See, Buzz, I just read Grumpy Mike's statement with your, uh, with you know your name. So that was Buzz. Buzz, I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Sorry, I misread that again. My screen was slanted a little bit. Grumpy Mike Guitar, what he said was for the tone jar and why not? Because that's what he always says. He says, I'm going gear shopping tomorrow. What? Maybe for a Vox AC10 or a Supro Delta King 10. Your thoughts? Um, I have not played the Supro Delta King 10, so I can't tell you. 
I can tell you my preference uh, would be uh, if you gave me a well, not even I'm not even gonna go with the uh, if you gave me a choice between the two. Um, I have a Black Star Studio Ten. I love it. And I did gear math on it, so you know. I did the video of it. Some of you guys may have watched that. I did the thing on the, the uh, Blackstar Studio 10. I liked it so much that I just got a Vox AC15. And I thought, oh, that's what it's emulating, a Vox amp. And so I got the Vox AC15. And I've A-B'd them, and I love the Blackstar Studio 10. So I would get the Blackstar Studio 10. Uh, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you what I would get. I love that amp. Uh, Ivan says, hey, Phil. Hey there, Phil. Is it, is it a bad idea to leave a guitar, could be an acoustic or electric, in an unheated room for the winter? The temperatures here get as low as negative 20 or even negative 30 Celsius. Um, you know, you're talking to a guy who lives in the desert. <laughs> uh, what I can tell you is, is that, yeah, there's got to be a point, uh, there is a point, where the heat gets too extreme and the cold gets too extreme. For the musical instrument. Uh, the rule I like for my personal things, I'm not telling you what you need to do for guitars. I'm telling you what I follow for guitars. I don't put my guitars in an environment I can't live in. I found that works for me perfect, right? So if it's 90 degrees outside or outside in, in the place and I put my guitars, I'm fine with that. If it's you know, whatever you could tolerate. Keep in mind, the lows here are like 40. <laughs> That's like the dead of night winter. <laughs> 40 degrees. Like, we're all, like, going to die at 40 here. Um, so I I can't take 40, so I don't keep my guitars in 40. I'm sure they're fine. But uh, that's the rule I like. So if I'm storing guitars, same logic. If I can't live in that environment, I don't want my guitars in there either. Uh, that's what I do with my guitars. You can do whatever you like, but that's what I would do. Uh, Danny says, Hey Phil, I'm currently running a made Mexico strat through a blues junior three, the newest version, which has got the better volume control, I think, uh, and a little smoother tone and I can't get a great tone. Well, then you're hose. Cause that's like the better one of the three. What, what other amp would you recommend? Uh, the black star studio 10. And, and, and here's the problem with that amp for the black star studio 10. I hate, I have trouble recommending that amp over to blues junior because I, I think personally it's a, it, here's my conflict in my mind for you on this. I like Fender more than I like black star as a brand. I like the blues junior cause it's tried and true. I, I, I want to recommend the blues junior over the studio 10, but absolutely I would never trade my Blackstar Studio 10 for a Blues Junior, uh, for me. So, and 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 th take take what you will. The nice thing about the Blackstar Studio 10 too is 10 also not 10 too is that if you find one used, you can get score a smoking deal. They have crappy resale value, so they're really great when you pick them up used. So that's what I would suggest. But again, you know, like somebody was just talking about uh, uh, Grumpy Mike was talking about the uh, Supro Delta King 10. Maybe that's a cool amp to check out. The other thing I was, oh, you know another, you know what? I'll, I'll give you one more. Cause you know, cause like I said, Blackstar Studio 10 is one I'd pick cause I, I have it and I like it. But another amp that's really cool is the uh, Blues Breaker by Fender. Yeah, that's a great amp too. So you get some of the Blues Breakers. Shut Up Let's Talk says, got a chance to buy a one of three custom, J custom for 1100 bucks. Think I'll be able to flip it? Thanks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, J Custom, so he's, I'm assuming we're talking about a Team J Craft like Ibanez. Again, I'm assuming. Uh, 
So 1100 bucks for Team Drake Craft Ibanez. Being a custom one of three is cool, but it would mean... Wait, the thing about... Here's where it gets tricky. The thing about certain guitars like that, like uh, if we're talking about those type of guitars, like I'm talking about Ibanez's, main, uh, Japan Ibanez's, main Japan, uh, Jackson's even, the older ones, um, main Japan anything really, you know, ESPs, all that stuff, is the finish really seems to drive the value of the resale on those. So if you have a unique finish, you can tend to get more money for them than if you have just a generic finish. So sounds good to me. 1100 sounds safe in the safe range. Um, I'm not looking at it, so I don't know. But, you know, I'm usually okay with uh, main Japan Ibanez guitars in that price range for the J the J-Craft stuff. But but I also am a little weary, too, because I've also picked them up for 700 bucks. So uh, I don't think it's a problem at 11, but I don't know if you'd make money. But could you flip it and get out of it? I think so. Mr. Fancy Hand says, hey, man, you say Fender Player Series are quality. Okay. Great value. Yes. <laughs> Two things. Uh, are more expensive guitars a big step up or do you only get marginally better? Yeah. That's what do they call it? The law of diminishing returns, right? I think there's a little bit of that. Let me, let me put it this way. $5,000, sir. Cause I like to pick on them. Why not? <laughs> $5,000, sir. Compared to a, uh, well, we can't say $500 anymore. $700 made in Mexico players strat. So and maybe not even do that. Let's do the uh, the Sir Classic, right? Which is going to be about three grand. Three grand for a Sir Classic, which I think is a perfectly flawless guitar. Plays fantastic. Fit and finish beautifully. $3,000 versus $700 players, uh, players Fender. In my mindset, without touching them, right? We're talking about just generally speaking. Do I think the Sir is better? Yes. Marginally better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even if somebody says, oh man, fill those frets, fill this stuff. I'm like, yeah, those are better. But, you know, it's not like we went from unplayable to playable to plays amazing. We went from plays perfectly fine to really plays nice. So it's, it is, uh, it's not a huge, a huge step, but it's, here's the problem. And this is why I say this, because you're going to get a lot of different opinions and, and none of the opinions, I don't want to say none of the opinions are wrong. Most of the opinions are going to be wrong, um, about how people feel about this. But but this is the trick. Sometimes that sometimes a guitar is just one percent better. You know what I mean? And it has a lot of money to spend. You know, it costs a lot of money. It's one percent better. But sometimes you can get fixated, and that one percent be everything to you. I've been there. A lot of players have been there. So that's why it's tough for me to say. Do I think you're going to get something a lot better if you buy something more expensive than the Player Series Main Mexico Strat? Uh, it's going to be a little better. But it depends on who you are, what you're trying to achieve, what you're doing. That little bit can feel like a mountain to you. And uh, so you have to decide that yourself. But me personally, I choose to spend more to get a little better. I like that. You know what I mean? Like I said, but it's not like I think a, 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 a made Mexico player strat is unplayable and not, not you know, not amazing. <laughs> right? Um I just, I think it's good, and I think you can get a little better for a lot more money. There you go. A little better for a lot more money. You have to decide if that works for you. Okay, uh, we have Travis says, Travis says, looking for, looking at the Fender, looking at a Fender, he's looking at a Fender, how much of the difference is roasted, wait, how much of a difference is a roasted maple or rosewood neck from a standard maple or mahogany neck on electric guitar? 
it's tough, man. That's that's impossible to answer because it could be massively different and or have no difference. And it has nothing to do with it. It's roasted rosewood or um, uh, maple. I did a video where I took a, ro a rosewood neck strat and compared it to my maple neck strat. And in that video, I said, look, I'm comparing these two guitars. And I said, okay, look, this rosewood is much brighter. And some people was like, you know, they, they didn't agree. And some people did agree and it doesn't matter. The point of that is I have another strat that has a rosewood neck and it has different um, tonalities to that because of that neck because it's different. It's a different piece of wood. It's different and how thick it is. They're all kind of stuff. So there's just differences. So only thing I can tell you is, you know, if you can't put your hands on it, if you can't hear it, if you can't play it, then you just have to do all your best guess or buy what you like. Buy buy the thing that you aesthetically like the way it looks. You you have a better chance of maybe liking it. You know what I mean? But tone-wise, uh, I can tell you this. Out of those, I tend to gravitate toward maple neck for a Fender. I just find it's easier that way. So I have a Rosewood Strat because... I think one day they'll stop making rosewood neck strats. And since most of the rosewood neck strats and tellies were made just for Guitar Center, most of them, I think they won't make them forever. And then everybody will, I, and it's already seen, I'm already seeing it happen now. They're going to slowly just start going up in price. And same thing, I'll have a rosewood Daphne Blue Strat that I'll play. And um, I think I paid 1100 for it, new. <laughs> and, uh, um, I think in five years, if I want to keep it, I keep it. And if I don't want to keep it, I think it's worth 15. And again, it's not to make 400 bucks. That wasn't my strategy. My strategy is I didn't see a, I didn't see a, a downside to buying it and, and, and checking it out. So, uh, so, uh, so what I'm telling you is it's not really like an ultimate, like love of salt rosewood with neck. It's not what I went after it. I just wanted something different and try it out, try it out and have fun with it. Adrian says, Hey, Phil, have you have had, had, whoa. Ever had a bad experience with Sam Ash? Okay. Bought a PRS SE2277. I don't know what model that is. I'm going to assume it's a seven string. I don't know the 27. It says, uh, from them, described as functional, but it wasn't. Had to go resolder stuff. They refunded me some money, but never apologized. What gives? Uh, well, the apology would be from an employee. So the employees obviously screwed up. And that's not right. Uh, so you just tell the manager. If it was a manager, you tell that manager. And if that manager doesn't do anything, you call Sam Ash. His name's Sammy Ash. And I'm sure you can get a hold of him because he's he doesn't make it impossible to get a hold of him. <laughs> so, And I assume because they all know that, as you go up the ladder of complaints, somebody's going to take care of you because uh, they know you can get a hold of Sammy Ash. Anybody can get a hold of him that needs to get a hold of him. He's uh, he's obtainable. Um uh, so, uh, have I ever had a bad experience with Sam, uh, Sam Ash? I have not. And it's not because I'm friends now. And I say friends, I mean, I'm acquainted with, and I know Sammy Ash. Uh, I had no bad experiences before and I haven't had a bad one since, but I, it's not, again, the reason I'm saying this is not because of Sammy. It's because, uh, you gotta understand, like I have the one in Sam Ash in my area and my first experience in that store was I made a video that's got like 2 million views. So when I walk in, they kind of know who I am and they're always nice. Not, uh, they could be nice just because of my, you know, I had a video or it could be nice because they know I know their boss now, or they could be nice just because they're nice. I don't, I don't know, but they're nice to me. So my friends go there. I've never had them tell me they had a bad experience. 
but they never they never really say anything. They don't say how they had a good or bad experience. But what I will tell you is this. Uh, if they sold you a product and you had an issue with it and you're not happy with the resolution, I would tell whoever didn't take care of you, tell their boss. And then, like I said, tell their boss. And uh, if that doesn't work, call Sammy. <laughs> that will do it. Uh, that's... Uh, that's what I can tell you. <laughs> Andrew says, what is the one piece of gear you most regret selling? You know, I, 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 love, I get this question a lot and I've, I find that whenever I get it, I find that I pick a piece of gear that maybe I kind of go, well, maybe I shouldn't have sold that. And I sold it off and I go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, what I realized is, is even buying gear back, like you sell off a piece of gear and you buy that same piece of gear back, which is never, never a good feeling. Um, I find that I don't know if I regret really selling anything. I will tell you this. I will tell you if this helps, <laughs> since we're on therapy session theme today, I have regretted more rebuys than sales. In other words, I have maybe regretted something I've sold, but I have much more regretted more times buying something that I sold. So in other words, I sold something and then I've missed it and then I bought another one, you know, another one or I bought it back. I'm not saying it didn't always work out. I'm saying that seems to work out worse. Like I have a better chance of if I sold it, I should never go back after it again. So there you go. Uh, Francis Chang says, uh, and I will tell you this too also, Andrew, the older I get and the more my collection's kind of refined and gone on its way, the less I deal with that. So, because you got to understand, the reality of it is a lot of the stuff I sold, I sold it to get something that I was after that was either, that was more, you know, harder to get, or it was, you know, I was, I was going up the ladder, so to speak of, of gear of guitars and amps and stuff. And so as, as I refine that collection, but also as I've, you know, kind of cemented my, my, as my, I get older <laughs> and I find I have to do that less and less, you know what I mean? Sell something to get something. Usually if I'm selling something off, it's cause, uh, you know, yeah, I've fallen out of love with it and it's just not worth keeping anymore. Um, Francis says, just played a Rickenbacker with Filtertrons. Really surprised how much I liked it. What other Filtertron guitar should I check out? Gretsch! For sure, Gretsch. I think there's Filtertrons and some Reverend guitars, which are pretty cool. And of course, don't forget the Fender Telecasters like the Cabernita with Filtertrons are pretty badass. Those are great. Filtertrons are just great. Uh, uh, so I have them in a Tele. Fantastic. I have them in my Gretsch. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, they're TV Jones Filtertrons, but they're, they're, they're fantastic. Yes. Uh, great pickups. Very fun. John West says, can I get a rate or what? Can I get a rate or roast? Okay. On my band's most recent music video, it's Heat Wave by Fed Lemon. <laughs> Love your content. What? Okay, so I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll uh there's no way I'm gonna remember this. Let me let me copy. Copy and paste this somewhere. I'll tell you what I will do. I will watch it and then I will tell you what I think next week. I promise to do it. Uh and when I say raid or roast it, it's not really my personality uh to roast so much as stuff like that. Uh I'll just tell you if you know what I think. How, do you think, how does that go? Good or bad? I'll tell you what I think. Uh, Brett says, been wanting an SG with P90s. Is there a no? Oh, we already did this one. Uh, Tampa Blues says, enjoyed the shows. Thank you, Tampa Blues. I appreciate that. That's really kind of you. Gunky Zip says, 
Oh, okay. So Gunky Zip did a super chat. Since we're clearing out the super chats for someone who didn't super chat, which is very kind of you. Ezra says, any recommendation for a first gigging bass rig? I have a couple nice basses that I use in my home studio, but I've joined a band and the basses. I need a decent amp. I really like the new Ampeg Rocket bass. Is that it? Rocket bass? Trust me, if you just Google that, it'll come up. Really impressive. I used to always recommend the Fender Rumble series, but I think the new Fender Rocket basses, man, are, sorry, Ampeg Rocket bass stuff is fantastic. I was at a guitar center a month ago and I was in there and I saw a bass. So I picked it up when I was playing it. I plugged into one of the rocket bass amps and I was so impressed I bought it on the spot. Uh, very, very cool. Ultralight, punchy, great little overdrive tone. Gives you a little bit of that old Ampeg sound. Gives you a little bit of the the, the vintage sound. Uh, really good stuff. Now, obviously, you can tell Amp, uh, Ampeg, which is now owned by Yamaha. Yamaha is definitely going after that rumble market. I would highly recommend Dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. Why am I yelling that? Dirt cheap. Check those out. Great tone. Great look, too. It's a cool looking amp. Cool looking. Light on the back. Light on the wallet. Ray says, I bought a Nashville 335 dot gloss burst like yours. It is the equivalent to a standard. Wait, is it equivalent to a standard or is it cheap? Should I have got figured? I don't like the fancy ES335. So it's not about a uh, price thing for me. I like, uh, same with uh, kind of Les Pauls. I'm more of a like a, you know, gold top plain maple top. I'm, I'm not into fancy, uh, stuff, <laughs> fancy woods and stuff. Um, I have a few guitars that are fancy and I feel like that's enough for me. Like I, you know what I mean? Um, every time I get a fancy paint or not painted a fancy wood guitar, I, I, I've learned through my, you know, just through the years for me, it's never about me. It's about somebody else. In other words, I buy this cause I think I'm like, look at this top. Isn't this beautiful? And then they'll go, oh, wow, that's a beautiful top. And then for some reason, I've convinced myself that's something I care about. But deep down, I realize like, I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> so, so it's like, it's just a, you know, it's a, a bling, the bling on it. It's not, uh, not, not a big thing for me. So that's why I did it. Um, so should you've got figured? I don't know. If you like the figured top, do it. Um, also, I find more times than not quilted and, and maple stuff. Uh, whether it's on a neck or it's on a body, just getting some water, sorry, um, is, uh, I don't know, it has a, a tone, more mids, more highs, and not as pleasing warm sound to me. That being said, I kind of wish, I, I like the dot inlays on it, but I kind of wish I had block inlay sometimes, but that's okay. Fine. Jeff says, Metropolis amps. Okay. Uh, Dave's main competitor as far as I'm concerned, Marshall should be should be Lee Friedman. Marshall should be Lee Friedman. Uh, Metropolis amps are really good too. There's a lot of good Wizard amps makes a lot of good amps. I mean, there's a lot of great amps. They um, yeah, and there's a lot of competitors for Friedman. But let's be clear: when I say Marshall should buy Friedman, it's not only for the sound. That's part of it. That's part of a business equation. Friedman's marketing has been flawless in what he's done in putting himself on the radar. The average player doesn't know a Metropolis amp or a wizard or any of this stuff. You know what I mean? 
It's like almost everyone's become a Friedman uh, uh, as aware of the branding. And so you know, they sold like 20,000 of those Friedman pedals-ish. That's a lot, man. That's a lot of people out there uh, that have that have tried this stuff. So it's not about when I say Marshall should buy them, because I think they should, and then kind of you know, make a, 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 a version of their version of the Marshall, which would be great because then you could get the sound you want. And But it also, like I said, notice at the end of that statement, I said, and put a little Friedman badge on there. Imagine it's like in my mind, and I, remember, I don't know anything with cars, but I know that this is like a thing with like the Shelby Cobras and stuff like that, right? Like I'm trying to get to the point of like a, or get to the, the, the point of a co-branding logic, right? You could put... Friedman modified Marshall on a Marshall amp and the average player would understand without hearing it what that would mean. And that's important in marketing. As a, someone who makes content all the time, it's hard for a company to convey a message. And so it, it Friedman amps, most people understand what a Friedman is. It's a hot rotted up Marshall. The other guys that hot, hot rotted up Marshalls, if you into hot rotted Marshalls, you know who they are. But People who are not even into Marshalls or hot water Marshalls usually know what a Friedman amp is. That's what I'm saying. So it's a dual thing. It's not only a sound, but it's also a, a, uh, it's a marketing thing. And again, those are just my thoughts and opinions. It's, I like to tend to like talk in a way, like what would I put my money into if I was part of that? That's something I would invest in. Smart to me, it would be a smart move. Uh, Jose said, what is your favorite fret size for a Strat? Ah, uh, Vintage Tall, which is what they put on the new professional stuff that I absolutely love that. I used to like just jumbo, medium jumbo. Vintage Tall, man. Love those frets. I would I would put, I would put them on more guitars. <laughs> uh, and what is my experience with Evo Golds? Uh, and any effect on the tone versus nickel silver and the longevity? Okay, so when it comes to tone and frets, uh, here's what I can tell you. I really like stainless for how it how it lasts and of course it's it's smooth it's glassy the problem is is that i can't really speak about fret tone <laughs> because all the frets that are different materials tend to be on the same types of guitars so for instance when i think of stainless steel frets i think of my parker fly the keezels uh, uh strandberg uh, what else do I have stainless steel frets on? Or, yeah, stainless steel frets on. Um, like, I have guitar, they're those type of guitars. And then, so when I think about uh, nickel frets, they're on my Strats and my Gibsons, right? So when I say, like, oh, these, these frets are warm and these frets are bright, literally, the brighter frets, coincidentally, are on guitars that I are probably just brighter. So, I mean, that's what sucks. You'd have to refret the same guitars. What I can tell you, since I've done in the last couple of years, a lot for the for a lot of refrets to stainless steel. I'm noticing more and more, um, more and more. Uh, what am I going to say? No, more and more. I'm noticing that I'm not hearing a difference. So perceivably, I do what a lot of people say. I say, uh, I think the stainless steels are brighter. That's what I think. But I'm slowly changing my mindset to believe that they're not really doing as much as I think because when I take somebody's strat like I did a Mexican strat like three months ago somebody had me refret it stainless steel you know that's what they wanted so I did it uh and I put it and I swear I couldn't hear a difference afterwards like I didn't go man this really spanks now it just really didn't do anything so you notice that more and more so oh yeah so 
Yeah, and, and Ezra is saying uh, the sirs uh, that they've heard are a bit anemic to your ears. I wonder how much is that is stainless steel frets. I don't think it's the stainless steel frets. I think it's the design. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have a sir and I have a, 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 a Ibanez AZ and I have my Kiesel and uh, they're all that style of instrument. And I noticed that they all have the same tonality. Oh, my AZs have stainless steel too, right? And they all have that same thing. I call it, <laughs> wait, hold on. It's funny how a word can change your mindset, right? Um, although you said a bit anemic, right? Which I would say means thin, thin sounding. I sometimes refer that to as being bright. That is, both those statements are probably true, but I don't think of them as being thin sounding as so much as bright sounding. You know what I mean? Um, I find those guitars to be on the brighter side, which to me has more clarity, and sometimes that's nice. What I find is, and, and we'll end on this note for the show today, um, my my uh, what I find when it comes to guitars like that is I tend to gravitate towards the guitars that are warmer sounding. Like I said, I like them more. They feel more at home to me, and I like the way they sound. But I play better when you give me guitars like that. If you give me a Sir or, like I said, my Kiesel or I'm looking at my room, the AZ, I will physically play better. I, I mean, it, it, it's it's noticeably to me. I don't know about other people. It doesn't matter because, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, a, I'm my own critic as well. I can hear more definition and clarity in my playing by far. And I think and I believe this to be true that that's because I can hear the clarity. I can hear the definition, therefore I re replicate it better. Um, but I don't enjoy that 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 sound as much. Um, and this is something I've seen many times with friends. I have friends that, man, they play great, and then sometimes they'll change a tone, and I go, man, that tone you have is so much better with your playing style, but they hate it. I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave on this. My buddy Matt, who's been on my channel, and you guys seen, he plays Eric Johnson stuff, very jazzy, very, very fast, uh, you know, uh, Bonamassa-esque stuff, Ingve, uh, very smooth, very, very good, good player. He likes his tone dark, uh, a little warm and dark. And I find that when he turns it up a little bit, the mids and the highs a little bit, and gets more clarity, man, it just sings to me. And I, and I've said to him for the, over the years, I go, man, that really sings when you play that, but. He doesn't play as well when it's brighter. He needs it a little darker. It kind of helps him. And so it's, like I said, that's why you have to find all this, like the sweet spots and everything. John said, frets and tone, that's a stretch. John, that would be the last thing I would say. Like if there was like, if somebody said like, you know, the wood doesn't change the tone, I'd be like, okay, you know what I mean? What degree? Frets can absolutely change the way the string is sounding it's 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 very evident it happens uh it's the argument the argument that i usually hear that makes the most sense is like when we change out the nut material and it's never the argument is never i don't think for the most part whether or not changing the nut on a guitar changes the sound it does a brass nut a bone nut a plastic nut graph tech they they literally have tonality to them the question is once you fret the the guitar once you fret the you know and you don't have the nut in the equation does it change anything that's a different argument but uh yeah fret material does seem to affect the string in fact i can't say it's more effective than a tone wood debate or all that stuff but it's possible that the frets again just like saddles on the on the bridge of a guitar the saddles the materials they could be ha having more play to do with the sound that's being translated into the into the pickups than 
a lot of other things. It's possible. Again, like I said, you can say it doesn't or does. Um, I'm just I'm not arguing the the quantifiable truths. I'm I'm, I'm giving you uh, the years of frustration I've had trying to achieve things by messing with them. So it's simple. All right, uh, it's it's uh, it's not simple, I should say. All right. Uh, okay. On that note, we're going to call it. It was a long show today. I appreciate everybody hanging out. Uh, again, if there was a super chat and I missed it towards the end, I apologize. I will scoop them up next week, uh, for the show. And I'll, I'll also give you the review of the band and please, uh, please be safe this weekend. Uh, like I said, um, you know, spend some time with some loved ones, uh, cause not everybody gets to, that's the whole point of Memorial day is not everybody. So please do that. And as uh, always, thank you so much for your time today. To the next time, know your gear. Let's see if I can actually hit the button on time now. Ready? Let's see.